Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Wow, what a game. Welcome into the Warchant.com post-game call-in show alongside the founder and administrator of Warchant.com. He is Gene Williams. My name is Tom Lang, and I am thrilled to be back with you, Gene, for another season of this year at the post-game call-in show. Um, I wish that we were talking under a little <laughs> bit better circumstances, Gene, uh, but this was a game that we won't soon forget. It was not anything like the Monday night against Virginia Tech some three oh. years ago. This was an absolute thriller and a heartbreaking loss to Notre Dame, 41-38 to in overtime. Gene, before we get to the callers and all the information, I'll start with you. Your first thoughts about what was an eventful four-plus-hour affair, it felt like. You said, what a game, but man, oh, what the storyline could have been if you could have won that. It was in your hands. You could have won that. I mean, it, look, I, it's you can focus on the missed field goal at the end and some of the other stuff. But I mean, I, and we can pull this up here in a minute. You know, I saw Kirk Herbstreet say what you want about. It. I think the guy knows football. And to hear it from, you know, we see it. We say, look, I've seen it in practice. I've seen it with this coaching staff. It seemed to me it was going to be very, very different from last year. Everybody's well organized. All the transfers seem to be as good as we thought they were going to be. The younger guys are starting to develop and play a little bit. We thought this was going to be a better team, but, man, we've been bit over and over for so many years. You really had to see the product on the field. And, man, we saw it. This is, this is a good team. And that the quarterback from Notre Dame, Cohen, was a lot better than I thought. That guy was throwing dimes all over the field. There were some tight coverages, Tom. Mm -hmm. He hit some guys. He made some really nice throws in this game. If he comes in, it's just average. Yeah. Florida State wins the game. Yeah. Um, you know, they went toe-to-toe -to -toe with Notre Dame. They were down – you know, you guys made a great point, and you've talked about it on the pregame show, which you can hear. It's going to be what now, 9 to 11? That's right, 9 to 11. So a little, uh, little promo there from now on, 9 to 11. I was listening on the way into the game, and you guys talked about the fragility of this team in the past. When something goes wrong, mm -hmm. they melt, and that's been the problem. That's the coaching staff. They haven't been able to keep, get those kids to buy in, yep. and they go, here we go again. Man, they're down 18 points in the fourth quarter, and I, we're all saying it. We're like, look, it's a shame they played so well, and they're going to end up losing by 28 points or something at the end of the day, and we're all going to look back, we're going to look at that score and go, man, they just, again, they fell apart. No, they fought back in this game, and that's a testament to these players and this coaching staff, yep. and they've got the, these kids are bought in, and all those yep. recruits that were out there, this is, look, moral victories, I get it. 
but you had to, after what's happened to Florida State the last few years, you had to go put on a show. A win would have been fantastic, man. We, I'd be dancing right now. I would have been. I would have had that 2018 Bourbon County. It was. It was chilling. It was ready to go. It's going to wait for another day, Tom. But you did. You had. You had your show, and it was success. The recruits bought in. The fans are bought in. Yep. I'm guessing the booster contributions are going to go up. That's a good Notre Dame team. Is it a? You know, isn't an elite Notre Dame team? No, but it is a viable top 10, top 15 type program. And you went toe-to-toe with them, and you spot them. You turned the ball over three times. You had more penalties. You spot them an 18-point lead late in the game, and you came back and yep. took the overtime. That says a lot about this program, the direction it's going in. I think, you know, I don't want to jump ahead too much, but I think we have our answer that Mike Norvell and the staff has it going in the right direction. Yeah, they do, Gina. I'm conflicted about this game. I, I got to tell you, I mean, there's so much to chew on. This is another one of those college football games that seems to have 20 chapters to the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could pick the first half and the surge of emotion and the way the defense came to play right away. That defensive line set the tone right away. You could look at the second half, questionable decisions on third and 17 from Adam Fuller. I was happy with most everything that happened, defensively speaking, prior to that third and 17 blitz the house call in which Notre Dame calls a screen pass right into the teeth of it, mm. followed by Mike Norvell going wildcat, wildcat on second and <sighs> third down, and then going for it on fourth down. I got to pull this up, Gene. I put this in the overlay. Here's a graphic. This is what it felt like. They go for it on fourth <laughs> down. They don't get it. And when you're playing online, the connection to your opponent has been lost. That sequence, uh, because it felt like we had worked so hard, and it's like, why are you giving this away? And oh my god, you, you had to go to the negative, Tom. I know I, you're right. I was just saying, I'm conflicted. Uh, now the positive yeah. are they get downhill, they play physical, they don't give up, they show a lot of heart yeah. and character and commitment. You saw swarming to the football on defense. You saw uh, effort out of running backs for hidden yards. You saw on the long touchdown play for uh, Jason on Corbin, the 89 tar- yard touchdown run. Malik McLean makes one extra block on a Notre Dame safety. He sends him sprawling. He's losing his balance. And that kid probably catches Corbin, if not for McLean, mm-hmm. a freshman, and a little detail play. There's a ton of everything in this game, Gene. I think whatever type of person you are, negative or positive, you could probably find a storyline. There's just so much to chew on, yeah. good and bad. And, of course, now a lot more people are, are coming into uh, the live chat here. And you're on Facebook Live. You're on YouTube live. You're on uh, Twitter. Twitter. We got some Twitter people coming in. That's right. I could see all the comments filing in here and we've got tons of them. It looks, I mean, thousands of people are tuned in right now. Welcome yeah. to the warchant.com post game show. This is a post game show for you, you, the fans. So we're going to go to the phone lines here in a second. I'll pull down the banner so you can see uh, wh- what exactly the phone number is. It's 850-509-89. Uh, nope. 850-805-5911. There you go. <laughs> it's like riding a bike, Gene. That's the yeah, we're, we're a little rusty. We're a little yeah. rusty. But, you're, you know, that was the one thing. That's when I was just – when I had that moment when they were down 11 points and went for it. They did the two – you know, doing one wildcat. Okay, throw them off. You did two in a row. And you go for it. And what was your own 33-yard line down 11 yeah. points? You were still in that game. Yep. I mean, well, it was anybody's game at that point. And then, and then the momentum swung after that. Two plays later, they're up 18 points. And it, like I said, I thought at that point it was over. So that – that was still one of those moments where I go, what are you doing, Mike Norvell? Come on, man. You've, play, you've coached such a good game. You've done such a great job with these. And it almost got away from it. But again, credit to this team to fight back. This may even be – might even be better the fact that they were able to fight back from 18 yeah. down because this is exactly what this team has not been able to do. Really going back to what? 
2000. When is the last time they came back against a quality opponent like this? 2014. It's Jameis's it's, last year. Yeah, it, they did that every week in that season. Yeah, uh, it, it's been a minute. Uh, probably Ole Miss the opener in 2016 was. A, yeah, that's fair. That's uh, fair. But you know, Gene, it, this is again. It's one of those games. Depending upon how you want to look at it, you can find anything. I think one objective truth about this game is this program put on a show for the recruits that were in Yes, they did. And if you're looking for this to parlay into some extra signatures for the 2022 class, firming up some commitments, outside of winning the game, they did everything they possibly could have to put on a brilliant show. That building was rocking. I know you were out there around the stadium early on, Gene. Uh, I did the pregame show from the radio studio and then came to the house to watch. But everybody who was there, Mm -hmm. including my wife who was in a box today, she got lucky, Uh. a lot found her a box seat. She said it was electric, and that's exactly what you're looking for. So, yeah, there's a lot of everything out there, and we'll go to the phone lines in a moment, Gene. But it's um, this is a game where I mean, you can find positives and negatives everywhere you look, and it's just a matter of where you want to start first. That's where we are. Yeah, can you, do you have the ability to pull the stats? Do you have step broadcasted yeah, that up? Let's let's yep. put let's. I know we've been talking about the emotions of the game and how well they coach, but before we get to the calls, let's talk a little bit about some of the. Kind of the breakdown of the stats. A couple of things that jumped out to me was I would have I would have bet the house, Tom, that Flo- Florida State outrushed. What is the uh, compared to Notre Dame? If you look at that, yeah, so Florida that down. State yeah. ended up with 264 rushing yards. Yep. Yep. If you were to go into this game and say Florida State's going to rush for 260, they're going to hold Notre Dame to 65. Yes. yes, over Florida State wins by two, three touchdowns. There's just oh. no way you shut down Notre Dame. What? I mean, that's incredible. Now the coverage things. I think there were some there were some coverage breakdowns. Mm-hmm. There was also, like I said, some great passes. And just sometimes a team makes a great throw and a great catch. They've got that tight end. He's going to be – he's a freak. Um, he may be the best tight end that I – maybe in college football right now for Notre Dame. He's he's ridiculous. Um, yeah. You look at that, you actually outgained him. I mean, you went toe-to-toe, and this isn't fluky. This isn't like you had a couple weird plays on special teams or something happened. You went toe-to-toe with him, and you turn the ball – if you don't turn the ball over three times, you win the game. Yeah, well, and here it is, Gina. I pulled it up. I'm highlighting Kyron Williams' stats right now. Yeah, unbelievable. Carries 42 yards, under two and a half yards a carry. And one of the (laughs) weird developments in this game, because this was a weird game, very much a week one type of bizarre, it's not what you expect type of affair. One thing we talked about in the pregame show today was, you know, you could handicap this for months out. What's Notre Dame going to do to challenge Florida State's defense? They're going to try and run it between the tackles and run it down Florida State's throat. That's the last thing they did. The first drive was all passes. It's crazy. The fourth down touchdown. And in general, the game plan looked to be operate out of the shotgun, tempo at times, but get the ball down the field and throw the ball more. I could not believe that game plan, Gene. That was really interesting. But to Florida State's credit, that front four, they rotated a lot of bodies there, but we all know the starting group, and we talked about that in camp. That front four stood tall, consistent. Yes, they did. Time again. Chris Tyree was by far the bigger threat throughout this game. If you're talking about the two tailbacks from Notre Dame and Oops. in the wind is the first one in the house. Yeah, okay, sure. Yeah. Try to click on no, but yeah, in the wind, there's a few of them there, guys. We appreciate that, man. In the wind. Yeah. We'll get to you. The comments are flying. Yeah, well, you know, that, that was a, I mean, and Tom, you can, if he wants to get that, we're jumping ahead a little bit. We'll take questions here in a little bit on stuff, but we can go ahead and address this one. I think he's talking about the play. Yeah. I thought, it was a back shoulder throw to me. I thought it was just a great throw and catch. It was yeah. a 50-50 ball. You know, maybe he could have turned his head a little sooner. I didn't think the coverage was that bad. I thought it was just a great play by Notre Dame. Yeah, on the throw, that was the third down throw. On the, It was uh, mm-hmm. to the bottom of, of the uh, TV angle. Um, it was bottom left. 
that one actually, I think the Notre Dame receiver does an excellent job of yeah. hand fighting and, and down the stretch. He gets, if you see, there's almost the swim move that the excellent mm-hmm. receivers uh, have in, in the repertoire. He hits Travis in the, in the small of the back. It's a bit underthrown. If the ball is thrown further up into the end zone, I think Travis is in perfect position to make the play. It's the second touchdown where, yeah, I mean, try and try and turn around and find the ball. Uh, one thing I did say, Gene, not going to toot my own horn too much here, but I did say about what Jack Cohn will do is test you outside the numbers and test you down the field. That yeah. Wisconsin tape said he would do it. Now, the Wisconsin tape didn't say he'd be that damn good at it. Yeah. I mean, unbelievable. The amount what a great deep ball. He, man, he's got great touch on the ball. He does. And if and it accurate. wasn't for him, like you would yeah. think 41-38, right? And you just say that's the final Florida State loses, a heartbreaker. Tell me the story of the game. You would say – well, then Kyron Williams went for probably yeah. 200 all-purpose yards. You wouldn't say that Jack Cohn threw for nearly 400 yards. He set a record for an opener for a Notre Dame quarterback. Exactly. He Why couldn't they get Hornybrook? Why did we get Hornybrook from Wisconsin and they got Cohn? Couldn't we flip yeah. that around? Why did that happen? Come on. Yep, absolutely. Oh, if they have Hornybrook, Florida State rolls. Yeah. Oh, well. We're talking. I think that's one thing to remind ourselves right now, Gene, is we're talking about this game like a toe-to-toe match a toe-to-toe game yeah. between two teams that were evenly matched. And that's not what I expected to be talking about in the post-game show. I don't know if that's what you expected to be talking about, the way we're talking about it in the post-game show. I'm not into moral victories just this second. I'm still kind of pissed off. Unfortunately, <laughs> we iced our own kicker. I understand why. I wouldn't have confidence from 50 yards, given what we saw in practice either this camp. Uh, but as it turns out, the free kick he got went through, and and the kick. Well, it was so it might have been blocked had it been live. We'll we even yeah. never know on that. But look, it, it it was great. Like they they called it on the TV broadcast. The fact that someone up in the booth said that's actually a pass. Challenge yep. it. Yep. That's a you know it goes. What are the odds on a thirty-seven versus a fifty? I mean, you're like Correct. your odds are eighty percent versus thirty percent. Yes. I mean, I, absolutely, it was a great call by the booth to do it. Yes. But it's Florida State. When it comes down to the end, you're going to miss a kick. I mean, that's just what we do. Um, what you said before we came on the air was I, yeah. I, I, somebody I, asked me on the way into Doke, and I said we're going to lose it on a field goal kick at the end by three. And sure enough, I should have said that. I guess I jinxed it. Um, can we throw up the defensive stats? I had a chance to look at those yet. You talked about that front four, and can we say Jermaine Johnson's for real? I mean, it's yeah. it, it, him, Keir Thomas. Well, let me pull this up first. I'll yeah. show you the D-line. Here we go. There we go. Look at that. Look at our boy Tom Lang putting those up there. there. Look at that graphic. There you go, guys. Yeah, there it is. So Jermaine Johnson was a stud, especially in the first half. He was everywhere. He made every play in the backfield. The seven tackles, the two and a half were lost. The one and a half sacks, they had to account for him early on. Keir Thomas, I thought, actually got a little bit better as the game went along, Gene. Uh, Quayshon yeah. Ford, an unheralded player. Uh, but he actually turned in a half a tackle for loss more than uh, than Keir Thomas did. They had four sacks. That was as of uh, the end of regulation. I don't think they picked one up no. in uh, in overtime. And then there are the numbers at the end. I already circled Kyron Williams when we pulled up the, the individual stats on offense. 2.3 yards per carry. Now, I understand that sacks will take the overall rush yardage total down, and they can skew the numbers a little bit. But look at that number, Gene. Not for the 1. running back, 9. they don't. One po- yeah, but I'm saying if you look at the Notre Dame yeah. up next to Kyron, Notre Dame, right. 1.9 yards per carry as a team. Are you kidding me? And, Tom, what, what was that, that number last year? Oh, God. <laughs> 10? <laughs> I was somewhere close to 10. I know that. So, for a team to make that big of a turnaround, yep. I mean, Notre Dame's not that much different than the running game. Sure, they got some new offensive linemen. 
But that just, again, you know, and I've mentioned that before. Kirk Herbstreit brought that up in a tweet. He brought that up about how much this team has changed in just 12 months. You got to do, all you do is go look at Notre Dame last year. Look, and that was one of Florida State's better games last year. Mm-hmm. Look at last year, this year. It's a completely different team. Right. Um, and I'll tell you another stat for you. You realize in this game, our defensive ends had more sacks than our defensive ends had all of last season <laughs> in yeah. one game against Notre Dame. Yeah. You had more sacks in one game. Well, yeah, they, they made uh, they made the Notre Dame offensive line, which is obviously uh, four out of five new starters. They made it look like that they had four out of five new starters. And it looks like we hit on these transfers, Gene. I mean, I, if you just mm-hmm. want to take the 10,000 foot view, Jermaine Johnson, of course, is absolutely an impact player. Uh, Keir Thomas, uh, obviously. Had a good night as well, but you look at some of the, the corners and the safeties. The number one thing about this defense, if we want to talk about positives, was passion, physicality. Those two things yeah. brought it with consistency throughout the game. Even at 38-20, when it seemed like all was lost and Norvell clearly was trying uh, to keep the defense off the field in that situation, they were gassed. They summoned it again, and they put the team in position to be able to tie the game late. And we, you know what, Gene? We are now, we're 15 minutes into this show. We haven't even mentioned the name Mackenzie. Yeah, I was just going to say all these tweets are coming through and people, and I appreciate all the comments. You can make comments on YouTube, our YouTube chat, Facebook, Twitter. Um, and yeah, and that's the story. Obviously, not only Florida State seems to be trending in the right direction and very competitive in an overtime game, but the fact that the way Mackenzie Milton come on because the helmet comes off and by rule, when your helmet comes off, you have to go to the bench. So McKenzie had to come in for one play, and then Norvell just stuck with him. Hey, sure I mean, he had some real nice touches. He seemed to bring some energy because it's a different – I think it was a good call because at Notre Dame just wasn't – they were already in the mindset of watching for Jordan Travis, and it was a different look for them. So I think they had some problems adjusting with it. He did a real nice job moving the ball up and down the field. Of course, now people are like, well, he should have been starting the whole time. I get it. I understand that when he came in, he looked pretty good. Yep. I'm telling you, people, we're out there – Jordan Travis outplayed him pretty consistently throughout practice. Now, yeah. maybe it's a situation where, you know, McKenzie's a gamer. Maybe he's just one of those guys you put him in a game environment. I mean, that little shovel pass he had, the little touch yep. swing route he had. I mean, that's some neat little things I don't think Jordan Travis is doing. And sometimes maybe the game, man, he just turns it on. Yep. No, absolutely. Well, yeah, the one play they had, Gene, Tessator on the call said, well, Look at that. He's making stuff up. I'm like, no, that shovel pass, we saw that. We, sh- we saw that yeah. concept in, in practice. So. But it, they sold it. I mean, it was sold just it like well. everything's yeah. all around. All of a sudden, boom, that opened up. That was a great play call. Yeah, um, it certainly was. But, uh, yeah, so props to McKenzie Milton. Just to see his mother, if you if you watch the TV feed, yep. if you're – if you're hopefully if you taped it or you can watch a replay somewhere, if you were at the game, you're coming back from it now, to see his mother – I mean, I felt for her. Yep. <laughs> she was just yeah. dying with emotion seeing well, her son out there. She also saw the Notre Dame defensive line early and often that game, and I'm sure she was worried uh, because yeah. that is one of the best defensive lines. And, and you can tell how well coached they already are under Marcus Freeman, Gene. That's one of the best yeah. front sevens Florida State is going to see all year. So I, I, I don't feel like you know uh, enjoying a moral victory right now, but this tweet that you uh, referenced. From yeah, Kirk yeah, Kirk's there we go. Here, this is the kind of stuff that we need desperately in terms of the image of the program. We need more of these things being said by talking heads because guess what happens? It makes its way down into the high schools mm-hmm. with the coaches and the players, and it changes perception of saying yes to Florida State. It was something that people would laugh at two years ago. We don't yeah. need them laughing anymore, and I don't think they are. If you take this momentum and you move forward with it, Gene, this recruiting class should be a consensus top 10 recruiting class. But yeah. – You've got to parlay it into some wins. You got to parlay it into some wins. But this is the effort we were asking for. The bare minimum was exceeded, was it not? 
Yeah, playing with there it is, playing with effort and togetherness we haven't seen in a while. That's that's it. And that's I think that's we all went into this game thinking that's what Florida State has to do. You want the win, of course. That would have been great. But if they do that, they can build it. We've seen the momentum. It, it happened at the beginning of the year with recruiting when you know all the stuff we saw it in the spring. They were getting all this momentum. The kids were committing. They got these transfers in. You're like, wow, they're bringing a lot of talent. How is he doing that? And then he just really turned on recruiting. I think they're ranked number three by right now by Rivals.com. Whether they're going to finish in the top three, I don't know. Well, they got Armella, a five-star lineman, commits. Maybe he gets caught up. Maybe he will hold on that high. I don't know. But you're right. Probably you hold on to a top 10 class. And you're building momentum. And that's what you need to do. If this coaching staff is what we think they are, we think they're, they're quality. They know what they're doing. They're competent. And they can recruit. Then suddenly, you know, maybe 2022 or 23, you're back up there competing with Clemson. Well, the other thing, too, is is clearly they can scout what kind of transfers they want to get into yeah. the program. That's another consideration, too. Of course, you want to litter the program with good four-year players. But if you need a player at a position or two to put you over the top, this staff has already shown that they can hit on those guys. I think it's time, Gene, to turn it over to the phone lines. Yep, let's do uh, it. Let's do our first. It's Mike in Tallahassee will be our first caller. Gator Kirk dropped out. Hopefully he's oh, Gator, we'll, we'll get you back on, buddy. Sorry about that. You're going to hear the bell in just a second here, but Mike in Tallahassee, go ahead. Welcome as the first caller of the 2021 edition of the Warchant.com postgame show. How's it going, Mike? Hey, good, Tom. I, you know, what, what killed me tonight was, and there was a lot to take positive from it, and I'm very happy where we are. It's just it, the offensive game plan did not tailor Jordan Travis very well. No quarterback powers, no quarterback, you know, design runs other than the other than the the naked bootleg that he did on on the mm -hmm. goal line. Mm -hmm. it, it just it it seemed like he was they were trying to make him a drop back passer, which he is not, and it, it, that part didn't make sense to me. If if Jordan Travis is this unique talent that can run the ball with his legs, why are we not using that? Why is he looking like they're trying to fit him into a square, you know, like a, a round peg into a square hole kind of thing? Yeah, this, this seemed very much like it was McKenzie Milton's game plan and he wasn't there. Gene, your thoughts? Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, I do know a lot of what they run a lot of that zone read and a lot of times he opted to hand it off instead of take off running. So you have the option for the quarterback has the option there if he sees the right, you know, the defensive end crashes and he has the option to take it, take off and run. He didn't do that a lot. So he had some options there. But you're right when you got a guy who's probably the, one of the fastest guys out on the field and he we've seen it. I think it's a good point. Maybe you should have called some more design runs for him to keep Notre Dame on their toes. But I think Notre Dame after last year and having an entire offseason, my guess is they absolutely were game planning for that. There's no secret that he was going to be the starter going into this game. So, you know, same reason Notre Dame came out throwing the football. It's going to throw Florida State off. It was thinking, well, they're going to try to contain him. Let's take it. That opens up other possibilities. Let's open it up. And again, at the end of the day, look, they scored 38 points. They turned the ball over three times. Say what you want. I think the offense did pretty well if you get rid of those turnovers. Now, those turnovers, a couple of those are definitely on Jordan right there. That's the yeah. thing. I mean, that to me, that's the biggest mistake in this game. A couple of those, you're going to, if you're going to throw it away, throw it away. When it's third and long, sometimes it's okay to throw the ball out of bounds. Yeah. I mean, even in the NFL, you see guys do that. I mean, you know, everybody does. Tom Brady throws, he's thrown the ball away hundreds of times. It does, you don't have to do that. And that's something he's got to learn. But I, that was my biggest complaint about what he did. Yeah, the first interception rolling right was was a disaster. I mean, there was nothing there. It was never yeah. there. There was never anything going to be there. Now, the one where you have a safety move from the opposite hash mark. Oh, that was a great play. It's an underthrow, but I understand why Jordan might be even intentionally underthrowing it there because 
you got to have the completion. I believe that was Corbin up the right sideline. So you, you're not expecting the backside safety to be mm-hmm. able to cover that much ground in yeah. that short a period of time. What he read was perfect in that situation. You see the safety on Corbin's side of the field come down near the line of scrimmage. What he's got to do is buy, manipulate time for the scramble rules, or if that was the you know, design route, I'm not sure, to, to develop. Then you make the throw. Make sure it's a catchable ball. And it's just an all-world player. Sure by a little late or a little soft. To me, it looked like maybe he was a second late on that throw or what it yeah. got there. It may have been, but again, you're not assuming that somebody's going to make an all-world play like that. Is If you get that completion, it's it's likely a touchdown. It's yeah. unfortunate. Um, you know, a couple of those decisions were bad. The one thing I thought Gene consistently had to Travis that I was not pleased with, he, he didn't have the, uh, the instinct to climb the pocket, move in and out of the mm-hmm. pocket with any fluidity whatsoever because there are running lanes early in the game. The first drive or two, Notre Dame is destroying the FSU front. The interior is is big-time issue. And you actually saw that Devontae Love-Taylor, our very own, came out of the game in the second half. Dante Lucas played right guard. They also switched uh, center. Maurice Smith had some snapping issues. The broadcast said, I believe, he was dealing with a back issue as well. And mm-hmm. uh, Fabian Johnson came in to snap in the second half. But at any rate... Those first couple of drives, there was a lot of pressure coming up the middle. Then Jordan started to see ghosts. There were opportunities yeah. for him to flush or step up and climb in the pocket, rushing lanes, and it just wasn't there tonight. I don't know if he was yeah. pressing. I don't know if he was seeing ghosts, but that was the one thing where I thought, oh, man, he's developed in a lot of ways, but if he could ever yeah. uh, develop the skill to be able to climb in the pocket, Gene, now you're talking about a real weapon. Yeah. There, were ru- there were running lanes available to him, I guess is my point. Yeah, yeah, you make some great points because you saw that when McKenzie came in. One thing he did, look, he stepped into those lanes. Yes. And even took off running a couple of times. Some of those I was thinking, man, if, if Jordan would have stepped up and run, he might be going for a touchdown where McKenzie runs for six, seven yards. Yes. Um, yeah, and that's something, man, sometimes quarterbacks get that or not. So, I mean, yeah, there's definitely was not he, – he played better than he has, but he still obviously has some ways to go in being a total quarterback. Yeah, totally, Gene. If he has the internal clock a little bit. And what's interesting is usually a quarterback like Jordan who has the skill set as a runner, if it's not there, their eye level drops and they take off. He was waiting and waiting with Mm -hmm. his eyes down the field, waiting to see something come open. It's just, it's kind of backwards, but he's, listen, he's a project and he's come a long way. If he keeps coming a long way, then he could be a dual threat monster for this team. He was inconsistent tonight. There's no doubt about that. Next up on the Warchant.com post-game show, a call from out in Colorado. This is Dave. Oh. Dave, welcome to the program. How are you today, sir? Dave. Hey, am I on? Yes, you are. You are, Dave. Hey, I called last year in the UNC game. Oh, boy. We remember. Hey, Tom, I'm not going to disrespect you again. I, I'm... I'm I want to say sorry. I apologize. I was really drunk. Jerry <laughs> Lakers don't mix. So, sorry yep. <sighs> yeah, you were the uh, you're the guy who called me the guy on the left. Is that right, Dave? Oh boy. <laughs> Not Dave. Saying for Colorado. All right. Well, he's in Happyville, USA. <laughs> Uh, we'll we'll uh, pivot, we'll pivot to Ocala. We'll go to hey, hey. yeah. They, they've got those. There's some legal stuff out in Colorado. You can't I get. I believe those there days. is. Dave's having a good time out there, and that's fine. <laughs> what he was going to ask is: Is this actually a win for Florida State? In a lot of ways, it is. I mean, again, you're not into moral victories, especially in, in the moments after a game that you could have won. You really could have won, and in some ways, maybe you should have. Uh, but this is a big win, long term projection of the program, right, Gene? 
Yeah, yeah, but isn't wasn't the way going? It wasn't the fear. You build up all this momentum. Yep. Recruiting is looking good. You're getting transfers. You're getting positive buzz. Everything's yep. looking good. And then you'd go out and you lay an egg. You pull a Virginia Tech from a couple of years ago or, you know, one of these blowout losses like we saw all the time last year. And then it seemed like all that momentum would just be gone in one night. Yep. So part of it, you're relieved that that's not happening. And then you yep. do. You see what we want to see, which we haven't seen is this program. It's one game, mm-hmm. but it's the first time you think the North Carolina game looking back was just kind of an aberration. Yep. You know. But well, it, you really feel positive signs because on both sides of the ball. See, yeah, I know Notre Dame put up a ton of points and a ton of yards, but it seemed like they had to earn those. There's one breakdown early on. The yep. quarterback made some great throws. Your offense was clicking at times. I, you know, it's just it's positive all around. Yeah, you use the term positive buzz, Gene. I think that sums up our previous call. We'll go to Gene in Ocala. <laughs> Gene has a question about Mike Norvell. Gene, you're on the program. Welcome to the Warchant.com postgame show. What say you, sir? Hey, how's it going this evening? It's going all right. How hey, Gene, good name. Hey, just wanted to uh, just comment and just say, it seems like Coach sometimes shrinks in the uh, in the big moment. I mean, uh, making some of the some of the play calls that he was going on earlier, and tonight was the first time we didn't see the script plays go kind of hand in hand. It seemed like he was kind of fishing his way around. Um, all in all, I mean, what a performance! Love to see that Dope Campbell Stadium just rocking. But um, it just seemed like Coach sometimes gets overwhelmed. And tonight he got overwhelmed with that, uh, with, with some of the play calling in the beginning, especially with that Wildcat, 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 who's mm-hmm. that thing. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Gene. Uh, Thank just, you, Gene. Uh, Gene, you get no argument for me. That that series in the third quarter, the the Wildcat back and the back and then going for it, it just was ins- – I don't know if somebody hit Norvell in the head. Before that, he just was completely out of it, or he let a fan take over the play calling. I don't know what happened. I thought on the, on the whole it was fine. Seems like they could have. We don't know with with Jordan if it was a little bit stage fright at times. He didn't look too good, and they were a little dominated early on. So I don't know if that was so much being dominated, the play calling. On the whole, I didn't have a problem with it except for that series. That was just yeah. – I don't know what happened there, Tom. I mean, it just – it didn't no. make any sense. No, so you have a sequence in about 20 minutes of real time in which that third and 17 call happens, and it's an over – I mean <laughs> – you got to be alert on a screen and a draw there, right? I mean, that's that's just the name of the game. I know that Jack Cohn is tuning you up down the field, but you don't have to force the issue bringing seven, I think, is what they brought. And then it follows up with second down Wildcat, third down Wildcat. Now, here's where – just bear with me, folks. I'm not, I'm not mm-hmm. explaining it away. If you're going to call Wildcat on third and five, then you're prepared to go for it on fourth down. Like So there is logic there. If, if that right. – crazy if that crazy call on third and five is going to come in then you are prepared to go for it in fourth down and i understand that mike is trying to win the football game not just win reputation points and say we've done enough but geez that's really early in the game yeah. i mean really early in the game if it's the fourth quarter with 11 minutes to go and you can feel things slipping away maybe i'd understand that but there's still a handful of minutes to go mm. in the third quarter that's where i'm scratching my head uh gene's question as i saw it was you know why does he why does he seem to shrink in the moment? I don't think Mike does. I mean, he no. won the AAC championship, and they were outgunned against this same defensive coordinator, Marcus Freeman, and he found a way with a bad offensive line against a great defensive front to patch together back to back wins against that coordinator in the Cincinnati defense. So he's he's got a track record of stepping up in these moments, but there is really no defense. 
With that. You know, on that call, I forget, he did that once last year. There was a time deep in his zone, and he went for it and failed. And I asked him in the post game about it. You know, he brought up analytics, and I get it. I understand yeah. that mathematically it makes sense, but there's a lot more to it to that. There is right. the momentum swing because we saw it. Two plays later, they gave up a touchdown, and it's an emotional factor to it, too. It also, to me, Tom, it smacks of desperation. Yeah. When you're in a game late in the third quarter and you're on 33, you go for it, you're like, I have no trust in my defense. We suck. i got to go for it. Just try some some willy-nilly stuff to see if I can pull it out. It's just not a good look. I don't think it sends the right message to your team. Well, and, and here's what it put at risk, too, Gene. You know, you were talking about accomplishing something different than the season opener and the debut opener against Virginia Tech where you're a laughing stock within 60 minutes. The game was going to get away from you there had we not banded together and responded from an 18-point yeah. deficit. But it went from – Really good feelings about the first half. Hey, look at us. There's a lot to really like about this team, too. Are you kidding me? After that, Here we go again. Yeah, We're going to lose by 30? That It felt like that in the moment. Mm-hmm. We're, we're going to go ahead and lose this game by 30 points. Now, full marks to everybody for staying the course. And in the end, you learned a better lesson. But I don't know that that's how you wanted to learn a better lesson about this team's mental toughness. Because at that point, now you might change the recruits' minds. They might have said, oh, it was yeah. fun for the first half, but clearly they're not anywhere close. Yeah, yeah. That was a dangerous decision that we kind of got away with a little bit. Um, yeah, well, I mean, again, like I said, it shows they're resolute that they were able to come back from that. I don't know if we can pull it up because it's back up there. Now, it, we appreciate anybody, all the questions and the tips and everything we're getting. There's a Jason Parker gave $100. I don't know if you can find that way. I can see oh, it up at the top, but I don't know if we can find it to pull it back up there. But Jason, if you can't, he just said he's proud of the team down by 18 uh, last year's team would have panicked. Absolutely. There's 100%. We all agree with that. They said they would have packed it in. I don't. I know we don't need moral victories, but this is a huge step in the right direction. Go Knowles. Thank you, Jason, so much for the tip. Um, There's Jason. There you go. Unfortunately, you got it. comments are flying in so fast that I yeah. can't pull them up anymore. Uh, we've got a lot of people that are tuned into this yeah. program. And you know what, Gene? If it was 38-20 and it went sideways after that, I don't think we'd have a quarter of the folks that we have watching no. right now. They wouldn't be. There wouldn't be any optimism whatsoever. Be like, yeah. hey, great 30 minutes, but still same old Knowles. It's not the same old Knowles. Well, because last year you did that basically against Notre Dame. You fought with them for a while, and then it just kind of got away at the end. You're like, well, it was just kind of a fluke. So it doesn't feel like a fluke because, yeah. you know, you did fight fight them tooth to tooth. And, again, I think one of the one of the persons we just put up there, one of their posts said, mm-hmm. not for the three turnovers, four state wins. I agree. Mm-hmm. If you don't turn the ball over three, because those turned into points for Notre Dame pretty quick, most of those. Yeah, agree. So it would have been a big difference. We're going to go next to Fort Worth, Texas. This is a, a countrywide show, Gene. We're going to Ricky in Fort Worth, Texas, who's got a question about overtime. Ricky, welcome to the Warchant.com postgame show. Go ahead. Thank you all very much. Thank you for having me on. And first and foremost, let's go Seminoles. Uh, heck of a game. Heck of a game. Of, you know, I uh, just want to go ahead and say, you know, granted, it wasn't the victory that we were all hoping for, but it was still in a lot of different ways looking back on the past several seasons it was still a major victory for the team in itself but uh my big question comes up from the overtime when we ended up icing our kicker uh granted uh 50 yards is a lot different than 37 yards for a field goal attempt but we have challenged so my question kind of comes from this should we have still tried to go ahead and kick the field goal since we iced the kicker or should we have put McKenzie back out there with the offense and run like a quick hitch or a little quick uh, five-yard out run or something to try to pick up the first down and maybe turn 
that situation into a different outcome. What would you guys think on that? You know, I know hindsight, we could say he should have done that. But you know what? I'd say the last field goal, Fitz, Fitzgerald hit, he hit it right down the middle. He nailed it. Yeah. And it was about from the same distance. Everything looked good. He just missed it. I mean, the hole looked good. Every, the snap was fine. I mean, a 37-year kick, your kicker has to make that kick. And I know we're all if – you, if you're a Florida State fan, you know, Ricky – that we all have that fear in our, our back of our minds because we've seen it happen over and over again. But I think it was the right call. I don't think you go for it on fourth down there. You, you kick the field goal. You should make it most of the time. And you force Notre Dame to make a touchdown to keep the, you know, to win the game. Yeah, it would be uh, fourth and seven, I think, in that situation. I think that's that's about the distance. I could have it wrong by a yard or two. Uh, but that's that's a tough ask in that moment. Mm-hmm. And you're coming off of a really bad snap. And that's an issue. That, that was an issue in practice. I didn't want to talk about it all that much because I was nervous about it. It reared its head again. Uh, you had a lot of bad snaps that threw off a lot of things. There was actually a fumble on an exchange early in the game with Jordan Travis and Treshawn Ward, and you couldn't even really call it an exchange because the snap was so wide to Travis Wright. It almost hit Treshawn. Um, you know, we got away with one there. We didn't in overtime. It, it just I think if the snap hits McKenzie in the hands, the way the game was finishing, the fairy tale might have been complete, Gene. I think we might get the first down there, but it's hard to ask on fourth and seven. And give Jonathan, Jonathan says it's a fourth and four. I got to go back and look at that. So I mean, four, fourth and it. four a little bit, but I was going to say it's about three yards. I would think about going for it. Four, yeah, four, no, Jonathan, four, Jonathan's right. It was around the okay. 20 yard line. It was between the 19. It was, you know, it's a 19 and a half yard line. I yeah. remember that. So, okay. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, Jonathan, it was a little over four and a half yards. Given the way uh, the defense had responded when it was 38 to 20, though, I, I think you, you make the kick. Yeah. You just move forward in overtime and, and you see what your defense can do. And they ended up, I mean, obviously Notre Dame's going to call different plays now that you come up with, with a bagel in your half of the overtime. But uh, it's not like the defense completely had run out of gas. They did in the third quarter, but they responded well in the fourth quarter. So I have a hard time second guessing that decision. There's no yeah. doubt that you want to second guess the decision of going forward in your own 35 yard Yeah, line. oh, absolutely. Five minutes. Uh, so, yeah, uh, Benjamin, yes, this is behind me. That is a signed Bobby Bowden hat. A good friend of mine got that for me. So um, I, I decided that needed to be in the background uh, to honor Coach. So a lot, a lot of emotions uh, during the game, obviously. I think they did a nice job with the Bobby on the sideline, on the field, the, the big banners that are above the entrance and uh, the coaches' uniforms, obviously, as well. I was not at the uh, the stadium tonight, uh, pregame show at the radio st- station, and then I watched it from here at the house because we're doing the postgame show. Uh, but my wife was in attendance, and she said the halftime tribute is mm. unbelievably touching. So if anybody who is at the game tonight wants to call in, uh, you know the number. It's 850, and I'm forgetting it again, Gene. <laughs> of course, it's covered. It's covered by Joey's uh, comment here, but uh, – it's uh, 850 uh, Don't you worry, guys. By week two, I'll have that thing memorized like crazy. You know who used that phone number successfully? More successfully than me. That's Chris. He's in Perry, Georgia. Chris. Join the program. He wants to ask about the offensive line. Chris, welcome to the Warchant.com postgame show. Go ahead. Hey, Tom. Hey, Gene. How are you doing tonight? Hanging hey, in. Chris. Doing well. All right. Um, you know, we like the hindsight, like you said, Gene, you know, I think one of the things, if we hadn't had bad snaps, we probably could have won that game. But, you know, we got a couple of offensive linemen that look like might have gone down. Do we have, you know, legitimate prospects to kind of step up into those spots? I know we have a lot of defensive backs and stuff, but it didn't seem that way watching the offseason with the offensive linemen. And 
you know, what's your assessment of the guys, next guys up kind of thing on the interior offensive lineman? Well, that's a, a great question. So we're hoping all these guys can, we don't know their status. Um, we're hoping if we can rest them away, we'll bring Ira Corey on. So maybe they got a little bit more insight because they are there doing all the interviews, gathering all the information. I will say there is one Florida state seems relatively, they've got at least some experience on some of those interior spots. So, I mean, it's, it's not good because obviously those guys are starters for a reason. Um, like we said, Maurice Smith and that's, it, Tom, you and I saw the snaps. I mean, that had been a consistent yep. problem all through camp. You just kind of hope you cross your fingers and hope they figure it out. But I mean, it, it's been a problem. I don't know. They've had all season to correct it. Um, I mean, obviously, Dante Lucas has a ton of experience. Baby on Johnson came in, played center. He's got a ton of experience. Brady Scott's also available to play in the interior. So they've got some guys who have played there before if they need to. But yeah, you know, hopefully you get these guys back. It's not serious. Dylan Gibbons, I thought, did a real nice job. He's the one that looked the most concerning to me. He had to be helped off the field. Hopefully he's able to come back. The other guys, I don't know. I it, Again, who knows? They didn't seem as serious, but we'll have to find out here this week. Yeah, you know, obviously you hate that you, you suffer some bangs and bruises in, in week one and you have a short week. Thankfully you're not facing an ACC team on mm-hmm. Saturday, Gene, but, I mean, by the time this game's over and treatment's over, it's it's early Monday morning. And you've got to kick off on Saturday night. So yeah. that's something we're going to have to keep uh, you know, our eye on. And certainly, you've come to the right place, folks, if you want the best coverage in Florida State Athletics. And that's Warchant.com. You're on Warchant TV right now. Warchant.com has you covered with practice updates every day. We've got live shows every day. So if you're just finding us for the first time, please make sure you hit the subscribe button at the bottom of this video on YouTube. Hit the bell afterwards, and you will be alerted every time we go live with great content right here on Warchan TV. We'll keep you updated on those injuries. You're on there a lot live, Tom, aren't you? Pretty much every day. Every day. <laughs> I love it. Now, don't get me wrong. I love it. Uh, and we also had a couple of excellent uh, meet and greets this weekend, too. To anybody yes. who's watching this program who came out to Horizons Bar and Grill on the north side of Tallahassee for the Seminole Headlines party on Friday, it's great to see you, and thank you for supporting us. And those of you that came to Libations Fest yesterday, feels like two days ago now, doesn't it, Gene? But yesterday at 2 o'clock, watching all the college football action. Mm-hmm. We almost saw Tulane upset Oklahoma. That was really cool to hear the atmosphere of the building. We appreciate everybody who came out. We really do. and We can't wait to see you again next year. Uh, going next, see, Gene, this is really, we're hitting all corners of the country. We're going up to New York. We're going to talk to Keith in New York, and he's asking about recruiting. Keith, welcome to the Warchant.com postgame show. Go ahead with your question. Hey, guys. Thanks so much for having me. I love the show. Thank you, Keith. Um, so there's been a lot of talk about culture around the team and especially regarding recruiting. And let's be honest, uh, Norvell and Dilly messed up once this game. Fuller messed up on the screen. Each yep. player, Denton, I mean, Travis J, they all made mistakes and came back. And in the third and fourth quarter, there was effort that I haven't seen from the program, from guys in, in a number of years. So I guess my question is really about recruiting, which is, did we do enough in this game to, I guess, uh, take care of any concerns that recruits have about the direction the program is going, but also any thoughts you had just on how this game showed a new culture and a new attitude in the program yeah. that, frankly, we've needed for a long time. So Keith, are you actually are you from New York or you're calling from New York? Keith has left the building, Gene. Sorry. He's, okay. Yep. Okay. He's, so he's in New York. So Keith, I'm guessing you were not at the game unless you had a really fast jet get you home. <laughs> so if you were at that game, and I know a lot of people that are 
online watching her show were. If you're recruiting that stadium, you had to be impressed, man. It was electric. It reminds me so much of that 2000. Was it 2011 Oklahoma? Mm-hmm. Yes, Tom's that it yeah. reminded me a lot. If you if you're at that 2011 Oklahoma game, that place was electric. It was exciting. The fans were into it. I mean, you saw the team, like you said, they fought. They fought hard. They came back. You could not help but be impressed if you're a recruit. They don't have sometimes. It's, I know the fans want to be their binary. So it's a win. It's a loss. I get it. But there really is when it comes to recruiting. There's the one thing Mike Norvell has not done is proof uh, proof of concept. Mm-hmm. They like him. They buy into what he's selling. He's got good. He's got good staff around him. Uh, Florida State sells itself. Everything's in place. The one thing that's not in place is like because he's people recruiting against him. Go. He won three games last year. He's not a good coach. They're not going anywhere. If you were at that game, I guess it's last night now. If you were at that game last night, you know they've got things turning around. You know this is going to be a fun place to play. You know it's going to be a better and better team the next couple of years. So I would say 100% if the recruits were there, they bought into what they saw. Well, we're uh, going to stick to the Northeast. Is Ben in New Jersey. We're going to talk to you uh, pretty soon. We have uh, the Mike Norvell press conference available, so we'll go to Mike's uh, reactions, and I'm sure he's going to be asked about Going forward on fourth down in the third quarter, amongst other things, <laughs> player health. Uh, Coach Norvell spoke to the media for just under 18 minutes. But right now, we go live to Ben in New Jersey. Ben, welcome to the program. And what questions do you have for us tonight on the Warchant.com postgame show? Hey, Tom and Gene. Uh, great to call in this year. Actually, I had the same question last year. Uh, but when do we start to get, get concerned about Fitzgerald? He, like, there's been a couple of kicks. I forgot mm-hmm. what team I called in last year. But he missed a big kick then, and he missed a big kick now. Understand the snaps and great insight there. But I'm starting to get real concerned now. Yeah, it's an issue. I mean, I'm not going to, you know, it was, it's one of those things. There's a reason why this was a competition, because nobody was standing out um, all through camp. Um, uh, yeah, I, I don't know what to tell you. Like, kick it, kicking is a weakness right now, which is tough. Because I know it's got to be tearing Mike Norvell up because he's all about special teams. And Tom, you've been at practice. You've ever seen anybody spend so much time on special teams as this right. group? Yeah. They spend a lot of time on it, and they take a lot of pride in it. So the fact that they are continually having some issues at place kicking on field goals, and you, which should be a chip shot field goal, you miss in a key moment. It's it's not a good look. Um, you know, I, at this point, you're it's the hand you've been dealt. Uh, obviously, I think going into next year, unless this turns around, I think you got to go out in the market, whether that's a transfer or a highly regarded recruit to come in and handle the kicking duties. Because this is, you know, Florida State forever had issues with kicking. And then we were spoiled, it seemed like, for year after year after year. And now it seems like we're having issues again with it. Yeah, it started with Graham Gano, And Graham's mm-hmm. kicking career actually changed because of a, a great game he had punting the football. It was kind of yeah. weird. It unlocked. It was uh, on the road in Colorado. This is probably the same answer I gave to you last year, Ben. But. <laughs> You know, that changed the fortunes of FSU kicking for about eight years, 10 years, somewhere in there. And uh, since then, it's been it's been a problem. It's been well documented. If you pay attention uh, to some of the coverage we have day to day here in Tallahassee on the Jeff Cameron show, for example, which is live here on Warchan TV Monday and Wednesday through Friday. We go live at one o'clock. We talked about it. What we saw in camp. Not so hot. Kicking's not so how confident are you from 41 is a question I asked Jeff and he'd say no <laughs> uh, 38 and he's like I'm not so sure and here it is again tonight it was great that he hit a kick uh you know in the second half and it was right down the middle but the consistency has been killing Florida State on special teams the other thing tonight Gene special teams wise the kick returns not so great mm. uh, the one good one you had you were fortunate to uh to have hold on the ball yeah you played review that it's not 1995 that the ruling on the field would have stood 
Um, but, you know, most of the time Notre Dame was hemming it down around the 20-yard line. And we're sticking with the Northeast, three for three, three in a row. We're going to Jamin in Pennsylvania. Jamin, welcome to the Warchant.com postgame show. Go ahead. Hey, thanks, guys, for taking my call. So I'm really not going anywhere negatives right now. Um, to me, this is something that we should be looking forward to now ahead, and it starts with Mackenzie Milton, who I – personally thought should have started the game um the energy that was coming from him and just the offense looked more like an offense of what we were trying to do it's hard to do when Travis the offensive line it kind of looks like we're playing backyard football we run around we throw but um again just again the energy on offense the energy on defense I thought was tremendous with just rushing four um those transfers have worked out uh, the recruiting, I mean, the, just watching on TV in Pennsylvania, I mean, it's, it was electric. It was mm-hmm. electric. It was the whole yep. time. Yep. Yeah. Um, I, well, I, even, you know, the run game too helped. I mean, the run game late, we were just, you know, McKenzie, if you notice too, hands the ball off quicker. So it, it lets the holes open up and the running backs were able to find those open holes and we were pounding them. Really, I mean, late in the game, even with little time left, we were still running the offense. We weren't passing. Well, one thing I'd say about that, Gene, is when it gets to 38 to 20, and Greg McElroy said it probably 95 times over the next, you know, 10 minutes, but he's openly questioning why is the box uh, so passive? Why why is Marcus Freeman Mm -hmm. dialing up coverages and schemes that are defending the pass when Jordan Travis hadn't shown the ability to consistently get the ball down the field with accuracy? Why wouldn't he stack the box against the run and force Jordan Travis to beat him with an 18-point lead? And that's when we got in the groove. It was the drive right after being stopped on fourth down where we ran the ball right down the field. I would remind you, you know, that was Jordan Travis who engineered that drive, lest we forget. Uh, But his point is well taken. If you look at this from the 50,000-foot view and you say, we brought in Mackenzie Milton. He's clearly a gamer. He understands when the lights are on what he needs to do. Why wouldn't he be the starter? The problem, I'd say, is you've got to be around and available with consistency from summer into fall camp, yeah. and you also have to prove it in camp. Jordan had an excellent camp. It's a very difficult place that Mike Norvell was put in because they had to make sure load management-wise, McKenzie was in a position to be, even be able to play in the season. You've also got to make some throws and, and make some consistency, uh, make some consistent throws in practice. From what we saw, Jordan was the much more consistent player. Mm-hmm. And then you bring up, I'll bring up one more thing before we get to our next caller. Uh, Gene, if your offensive line is getting beaten left and right, do you want McKenzie out there? He's got a great internal clock, but at some point he's going to get walloped. And I don't know that he can yeah. do that. Yeah, no, that's a good point there. I got to think this too. And I, I, the way you look at it, was Notre Dame's defense at that point kind of reeling where they gassed at the end? So maybe McKenzie looked a little better. If he's in there those first half when Notre Dame was really dominating in the interior, how would have McKenzie looked at that point? I guess, you know, Jordan took, Jordan looked bad, but nobody would look good back there early in the game. So I wonder if he's getting a little – look, I don't want to – it was incredible him going out there. He played really well. But I think the fans are a little too skewed on what they saw in the last couple minutes of the game, thinking just drawing saying McKenzie should have been the starter. Well, and don't get me wrong. Like, I understand the reason that the question – being asked. Oh, sure. From what we've seen. It's your eyeballs, what your eyeballs tell you. Sure. Yeah, right. Exactly. But I mean, this is another one in a long line of examples where 
Some guys are practicers and some guys aren't. Some that guys may be it. That may be an Again, the questions are not going to end this week for Mike Norvell. So we'll have our guy, Aslan, who's the designated. We throw him into the wolves and say, Aslan, you got to ask him because nobody else is. Yep. So he'll do it. He'll ask again who's going to be the starter because I'm sure every day we have Mike Norvell, he's going to get asked that question yep. again. Michael Langston does recruiting. Jeff Cameron does broadcasting. <laughs> Aslan is thrown to the wolves to ask about the quarterback. We, we all love you, Aslan. We love you, buddy. You're doing a great job. We all have our roles here. We go to Frederick in West Palm Beach. We'll get to Mike Norvell's comments in just a little bit. Frederick in West Palm, go ahead. Welcome to the WarChant.com postgame show. Frederick. Hey, how you doing, guys? Thanks for having me on. Um, First of all, this, the previous callers stole all of my thunder in terms of what he mentioned <laughs> as far as McKenzie's performance versus Jordan Travis's performance. Because I really feel like, had, like as he said, had McKenzie been in a situation, I'm sorry, as, as, if Milton had been in the same situation early on in the game, he would have looked pedestrian just like Jordan did because of yeah. the, the, the scheming. In the play calling, so I think we jumped the gun by wanting to crown Milton as the starting quarterback. And in those two interceptions, the last two interceptions, Travis throw, one was on a fourth down conversion. So it had to be an incomplete pass. Mm. It, the ball would have been turned over on down. True. So I don't know how he's been ridiculed for that particular play. And besides, the play that particular play calling sucked for that. For that <laughs> kind of how do you really feel about it, Frederick? <laughs> What's that? No, I'm just kidding. I said, yeah, good call on the suck. Yeah, we agree. Yeah. So, Frederick, <laughs> yeah, let, let yeah. me ask you a question real quick. So, if uh, yeah. some of the callers have stolen your thunder, is this better than you expected, and how do you feel coming out of the game? Do you feel happy with the performance, or is that a moral victory thing and you're not cool with that? I'm very, very satisfied. I was I was optimistic during the uh, training in the, in the build-up to the season opening because I saw the difference in the intensity and in, in, in the effort these guys brought to every practice, you know, every uh, spring training, it was just straight competition throughout the court, throughout the, the course of the all season. So I was expecting them to perform at this level, to be honest with you. Yeah. Well, it's a good call. And, and that's something yeah. we've seen it in practice. You know, for those of us who've been out there in Ira, nobody's been to more practice than Ira. He's every minute of every day and he was taking copious notes. Uh, you could see that there was market improvement. And the question was, did they have the mentality to take that improvement gene from the practice field to the game field? And they did it. Yeah. again. You know, yeah, Frank, they, go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say the, the, again, it goes back to this. They, they were down 18. You said we were all going here. It goes again. And they fought back against a top 10 team yep. and made it a game, took it over time, could have won the game. So, I mean, it says a lot for the character of this team. And it, it, you know, it's, you know, we talked about culture, talk about chemistry all those kind of intangibles this they finally have it this team hasn't had it in a long time it's the first time i've really seen that happen i think that's a very very positive sign going forward we're gonna have the quarterback debate and i know if he continues to turn the one thing i was saying look he can be an average passer because he's a great athlete he can make up for that other areas but the one thing he can't do is turn the ball over mm -hmm. and that's the one thing i did not see him do a whole lot in camp and i know you're right one, one of the you know one of the picks he could have kind of scratched off not really his fault but still Florida, he doesn't throw those interceptions. Florida State wins the game. At the end of the day, that's the story. Yeah, yeah. No, there's no doubt. The the first one was a killer. The, uh, the yeah. one by Notre Dame safety uh, is just an unbelievable football play. Yeah. Uh, 
Gene, would you rather go to uh, a caller or two more, or you want to get Mike Norvell's thoughts on the game? Where would you like to go? Let's go to one more caller, and then we'll listen. Okay. We'll bring Mike Norvell on here in a minute. We go to Mizzou, then. We go to Jermaine. Welcome to the program, Jermaine. What are your thoughts on tonight's game, and what questions do you have? Uh, First-time caller. Uh, I don't really believe in more of it. It's kind of disappointing we, get, we didn't get the win for Bobby. Uh, I thought, as far as like, the turnover-wise, that McKenzie would start because he has more game experience and a little safer with the ball to Jordan Travis. But as far as offensive-wise, do you think we should have pushed the ball more? I understand we ran it, but open up the playbook more for even Jordan Travis and McKenzie to throw the ball more than what we did. Yeah, I mean, it's it's easy to go back and second-guess, but the other day I look at this. You, a team turned the ball over three times, they missed a field goal, and you still scored 38 points against a pretty good defensive team. So I, I don't want to be too critical, and you missed a fourth down, which was a ridiculous call as well. Uh, I don't want to be – I know it's easy to be critical of some of the play calling. There's, some, there's definitely some that it kind of shook my head a little bit, like what are you doing here? It doesn't seem to fit your personnel very well. But still, at the end of the day, it was such a big improvement on offense. You moved the ball when you weren't turning it over very effectively. There's some things you can clean up going forward. So I'm not that critical of that aspect of the game. I don't know, Tom, maybe you have a different opinion on that. From what I could tell, Gene, so I had the the regular feed on my main TV, and then on the second one I had the Skycam, so I could see some of the coverages. And the Skycam was on enough of a delay that I could, you know, take in the play in real time and then check my notes and see what was going on. Just to the naked eye, you know, in a first viewing, a lot of times Notre Dame had things covered down the field. That's why Jordan was holding the ball forever and yeah. ever and ever. And he was trying to create time and, and buy more time by staying in the pocket. Frankly, I thought by drive two or drive three, maybe his legs should have been even more in the game plan where it's Jordan, one read, two reads, and run. And run, yeah. No, that's a good call. I, I think that that if in hindsight, that would have been maybe the one thing you do. And it goes back to what my opinion was early in the season. I think Corey and a couple other people said it too. The weakest unit on this team right now is wide receiver. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Nobody ever wants to blame the quarterback or the offensive lineman. If guys aren't getting open, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And I, I don't think they ha- they don't have a Florida State caliber wide receiver on this team right now. Well, listen, Jack Cohn was throwing dimes down the field, but that is some ferocity from Notre Dame's receivers in one-on-one situations. Oh, yeah. I mean, that is that is one position group. There are a few, but that is one. If you were to circle, where is Notre Dame markedly better than Florida State? At receiver, they have dynamic. Well, throwing the tight end in that receiving group, yeah, oh, absolutely. Well, yeah. well, if you add him, I mean, who who else has a guy like that? That's absurd. Uh, he had like 80 yards in the first drive, it felt like. He's, right. he's, yeah. Um, before we go to uh, Mike Norvell, I'm going to say hey. Travis H. Because I want to make sure these comments are going by so fast. Thank you so much, Travis H. Appreciate you. Yeah, the D absolutely looked great. Um, I know they gave up some points, but man, they fought. And when they gave up, other than that one breakdown early on, man, it, Notre Dame had to fight for every yard and every point they got in this game. So it's very encouraging to see that and pressure on the quarterback. Apparently, you are allowed to rush the pass, right? I didn't know we could do that yeah. after last year. So you that want, was very good to see. You want to focus on a positive before we get Mike Norvell's thoughts on this game? Here's the positive. In terms of the challenge in the trenches, Notre Dame is going to be one of the best teams Florida State sees all season long. And what does that mean for this defensive line? It could mean really, really big things mm-hmm. as the season wears on. We are going to take a brief break. Uh, Gene and I, we're going to listen to Mike Norvell's thoughts. We have not yet. Just like you guys are right here on the Warchant.com postgame show. We will begin with Mike Norvell's thoughts, and we'll be back in just a few moments. It's really good things. You know, 
disappointed we came up short. Uh, so very proud of the way that our guys battled for 60 plus minutes. And uh, we came into this week talking about having to be together. Uh, we knew there's gonna be good moments. We knew there'd be times that um, you know, we get knocked down and our guys just continue to respond. And uh, you know, heart breaks for them. Uh, you know, I, I just, you know, it was, it was impressive to watch them continue to, to fight and uh, make too many mistakes throughout the course of the game uh, against a good football team. You know our, our our football team. Uh, they're gonna they're gonna grow from this. And um, you know, I hate coming up short, but um, you know I think they showed their identity and the heart that they have, and how much they care about each other and care about this university uh, and how they want to represent it. And uh, we're gonna have to continue to get better. Uh, I do want to take this time just to tell you know all of my fans, all of the entire Seminole family, just you know thank you. Thank you for, for that crowd. Thank you for the experience today. Thank you for what you mean to us. I mean, it was, it was an incredible atmosphere uh, to be able to, to play this game. Um, yeah, it was it was truly special. Um, like I said, we've just made, uh, made too many mistakes to, to be able to overcome that uh, tonight, uh, but we're gonna continue to go to work and um, this team will respond here moving forward and we're gonna continue to improve. Next question will be Brandon Sinone from Wall Street for a second. Hi, Mike. You mentioned the response of the team. Um, curious, like after the game, what did you see from the players and their response? Even in the, the seconds after the game, it seemed like some guys wanted to leave, go to the locker room, but they were told to stay. I guess what did you see immediately after the game? You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's disappointing to come up short. And uh, these guys had a really um, you know, hard and grueling all camp. And um, you know, the way that we the way that we prepare, the, the investment of, that, that we pour into you know, each opportunity, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's just challenging. It's, it's, and, um, you know, we'll make sure we finish the game, you know, even when we come up short, we finish the game the right way. And uh, Notre Dame, uh, they, they played hard. Uh, it was a great college football game. Um, but um, you know, they're in the locker room. I mean, our guys, you know, they're, they're disappointed. Uh, but I told them I was proud of them. I was told them I'm proud of the, the heart that they showed, the identity that they that they put on display, and uh, we all know. I mean, we we know the mistakes that were made, and there was not any one play, there was not any one moment tonight uh, that I mean, you can pick 15 of them. And uh, you know, there's still times that we shot ourselves in the foot. You know, you know, didn't win the turnover mark. Uh, you know, battle. I mean, there's, there's things that we're going to be able to reflect back on. Uh, in all phases that, uh, that we're gonna have to improve, and uh, our guys, they uh, they know what's coming, and they they know the response that's necessary, and uh, we continue to work that. All right, next would be Aslan. How are you gonna move from Uh Coach, you know what is it about McKenzie that? he's able to do what he does in moments like that. And just how much is that kind of, did it catch you by surprise or is, I mean, I, I know you hoped he would be able to do that, but to see him do that. I mean, what does it mean to you in this program now? I mean, you know, McKenzie's a great competitor and, um, you know, as he uh, went into this week, uh, you know, he, he just continued telling coach, I'll be ready. I'll be ready. And, um, you know, uh, you never know when that opportunity is going to present itself. Uh, 
Jordan had you know, a couple things happen there late, and uh, uh, you know McKenzie came in and you know, he was ready. He was prepared well. He was such a uh, wonderful competitor. Um, you know, it was it was great to see him. You know, get the opportunity to go out there and, and compete. And uh, you know, anybody that knows his story and, and all that's gone into it, um, he's somebody that, that you cheer for. And um, just a special, special young man, and um, you know, just to see him, you know, rise up in that moment, really proud of. Mike, what did McKenzie bring to you guys that that Jordan maybe didn't uh, early on? Well, you know, I think Jordan you know, did a lot of good things tonight. I mean, he he made uh, a lot of plays or some things that were, were challenges. Um, you know, as, as we went through the game, you know, Jordan was able to extend plays. He was able to hit some big big throws down the field. Um, he you know, he got late in the game and he was unavailable. And you know, McKenzie came in and, and answered the call. And it's uh, you know, I've seen a lot of um, a lot of focus goes on that position uh, for. for you know, what it is and what it does, but I mean, we all have the same the same responsibility just to, to be prepared and go out there and execute at a high level. And I thought McKenzie did that. I thought he executed at a very high level. Um, it was impressive to see uh, you know, coming in late in the game like that, but uh, you know, put himself in position to be able to, to achieve that. Um, as far as the run defense goes, I mean, that was a really dramatic turnaround from a year ago. Um, so you have to be happy about that. But on the other side of it, they hit a lot of big passes. Um, were you surprised that they went to the air as much as they did? Or um, were you, were, would you have expected that? Oh, I mean, we had, a, we had a, an early bust early in the game. I think we were um, – our guys were, were amped up. You know, we talked about their closure, make sure we all communicated. We had a we had early, uh, uh, you know, play that, you know, they're on Fort Town, you know, Gave up the, the first touchdown. We thought we got guys settled in, and you know, and they they had to give credit to them. I mean, they made some great throws and catches on one on one balls. You push them all down the field. Um, you know, we've got to we've got to continue to work to, to finish those plays. But um, also got to have the times guys go out there and are able to execute in very small windows. I got some good players, quarterback, and thought played well. We were able to, to create some some pressure. We were able to, uh, um, you know, obviously you know, stop the run game. But uh, at the end of the day, you know, those are, those are all things that we're going to continue to work on and make sure that uh, we, can, we can clean up some of those big plays that were uh, that we had. Hey, coach. So, um, you know, the transfer portal sometimes has been looked at by a double-edged sword, looked at as a double-edged sword by a lot of people. But when you're out there tonight and you see guys like Jermaine, Keir, McKenzie making the kind of impact that they did, is tonight just an example of how the portal can be a good way to help build a team and then kind of supplement what you already have? Well, it's about finding the right fit. And I don't care. I mean, we we want to we want to build this team the right way with the right fit for Florida State. And those are those young men. Um, I think they're great players, uh, but uh, it's 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 what's what's in their hearts. It's, it's the uh, relationships that they they come in and they've invested uh, to build with their teammates, and that's what I saw tonight. You know, it, whether it was offense, defense, special teams, uh, the guys that have come from all different journeys. You know, some guys transferring in, some guys have been here for for, for many years, and, uh, and some guys just just stepped foot on campus. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, you know, they're doing their part 
and building a relationship and understanding, you know, who we represent and the opportunity we have in front of us. And so, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for the way that the, the, the transfers played, but it's not really shocking to me because I watch you know, how they invest in this team and how, how hard they go to work with this team uh, at practice every day. Mike, what was that conversation once you guys cut it to three in the fourth quarter that you had on the sideline with Jordan and McKenzie? Uh, just told him just to continue to keep playing, right? And, uh, you know, obviously there's a couple things that we had seen, uh, you know, just throughout the series that we wanted to be prepared for. So uh, just kind of going over a couple things there. Hey, Mike, um, just if you could talk about just the, the decision to start Jordan and then kind of how you look at the quarterback situation now going into the next week. Right, what, was the, what, happened. Yeah, what was the first question? No, just your, the, what, what you saw in the, to, you know, to come with the decision to, to start Jordan and then, you know, just based on the performances of both of them today, like how you're approaching, you know, who starts next week. Yeah, you know, I think Jordan had a great camp, um, was continuing to, uh, to grow and improve um, in, in all phases. Um, you know, tonight, uh, I thought there were some good and some things that he's had to learn from. And, you know, you know we've got to you know, make sure that we're owning the football. There's a couple, a couple decisions that, um, you know, that he, I know that he wanted to have back. Um, but also, you know, at, at the end of the day, he had, you know, had some plays where he was able to, to do some things, um, you know, with his arms and his legs that, uh, that were, were really impressive. Um, we're always going to continue to, to beat, continue to um, you know, work together. And um, I'm excited about that quarterback room. I'm excited about Jordan Travis and, and who he is as a, as a player. Um, and, you know, we're going to continue to push forward there, there together and um, you know, face all that stuff as we get into this week. So, Gene, there was Mike Norvell and offering – his thoughts on uh, obviously what is it, a heartbreaking loss tonight. Uh, for those of you just joining the program, we've been reacting for over an hour now on the warchant.com post game show. He's Gene Williams. My name is Tom Lang. And uh, it's, there's so much to get to tonight. I mean, you could pick a storyline, pick a position group. There's, there's a lot to chew on. Uh, but Mike Norvell sharing his thoughts there. And, and we're uh, thankful to Aslan for going and getting that video for us. So we're able to run it for you here on the warchant.com post game show. Uh, Gene, any thoughts before we bring on our next guest from uh, Doe Campbell Stadium, the Bobby Bowden Field? Uh, any thoughts on anything you heard from Mike before we bring in uh, our five-star guest? Hint, hint. Or tuned into all that stuff, so I would rather go to – oh, you've unmuted me. Okay, there we there go. go. No, no, no. I, w- I want to hear from our five-star guest because right. he he was, he's been, he was part of that interview you just heard. I think you can listen to the whole thing on War Chant. We cut a little short there because you can't keep a five-star waiting, Tom. You can't. And yeah, there he is. Longer. There he is. <laughs> we welcome in the managing editor of Irish FL. Last year, he was just a friend. Now he's a boss and a friend. What's up, Ira? How's it going, man? <laughs> Good, man. It's a little bit better than the last couple of years. I've uh, talked to you guys after a Notre Dame game. Yeah. Yeah, so, Ira, of course, the big thing is, you know, of course, there's the fans frustrated, uh, you know, coming so close to getting a win. But, you know, I was at least there for the first half. And just the, the environment reminded me so much of 2011 Oklahoma because you just you, the team fought so hard. And to come back from 18 points, when at that point we all had the feeling, you probably did too up there, the press <laughs> that here we go again, Florida State, you know, falls behind and then things start to spill over. But this is something we saw that we haven't seen in a long time, a team that fought back and showed some gumption 
and got put themselves in a position to potentially win this game to take it to overtime. So a little different Florida State team than we've seen really in several years. Yeah, it's, a, it's kind of a complicated game to, to really recap because on the one hand you say, yeah, they did show a lot of heart. They didn't lay down. And, and several of the players, Jordan Travis said basically that if this had, if this had happened to previous teams being down 38-20, he's not sure they would have uh, had that kind of resolve. So that's impressive. You're happy with that. But, man, they made so many mistakes. Uh, I mean, they just shot themselves in the foot repeatedly, really in every phase, uh, special teams, defense, offense. Uh, you know, just uh, it's one of those games where, on the one hand, you're, you know, you have to be excited as an FSU fan to think, okay, we hung with the number nine team in the country, allegedly. I'm not sure that Notre Dame will end up as a top 10 team in the country. Um, but you also let them off the hook and, you know, missed kicks and had um, some costly penalties and turnovers and things like that. So, you know, there's a lot to build off of. There's a lot to, uh, a lot to like, especially the run defense. I thought was really impressive. Uh, and that fight, as you mentioned, but at the end of the day, that was a chance to record a huge win for Florida State, mm-hmm. and they didn't come through. Ira, uh, your thoughts on uh, the third quarter decisions? There were a couple mm. of there. I saw you tweet about it right away, and I, and I shared the sentiment on third and seventeen first. But we'll, that one first. Uh, you bring in the house uh, in an obvious draw or screen situation, ends up being a big play for Notre Dame and and uh, an impactful play in this game because of what it did on that drive into the scoreboard. Followed by uh, ten minutes later, wildcat, wildcat, fourth down from your own side of the field with about four minutes to go in the quarter, give or take. Your thoughts on those sequences, and what were your conversations like with Corey in the press box <laughs> in those moments? If you could actually share those, yeah, the the the, the sending six, seven guys. I think it was seven guys they sent yeah. on that third long. Uh, just made no sense at all. It just it seemed like almost like the, the coaching staff got caught up in the emotions. They were getting after the quarterback and just trying to force it and make a big play. But, man, you know, Notre Dame's – there's only two calls Notre Dame's going to make there, either a draw or a screen. They run the screen and, and break off a huge gain for it. That was a huge mistake um, by the coaching staff. And then I, I didn't have as much of a problem with the the fourth down call by Mike Norvell because you could tell they were setting that up when they ran the Wildcat, the two previous plays. When they ran the Wildcat on third and five, it seemed pretty clear that they were trying to – you know, get closer to a, maybe a fourth and one or something like that. So I wasn't shocked by that. And if you look back at the way Mike Norvell coached last year, that's what he did. I mean, he's not going to be afraid to go for it uh, on his own side of the field. And it's kind of funny. I mean, for years and years and years, everybody killed Jimbo for never going up for it on fourth down. And, and here's a guy that's going for it. And now people are killing him because it didn't work out. So, you know, I, I didn't have as much of a problem with that decision. You know, they were, he was trying to find something. The third down blitz call just made no sense. Well, I'll disagree with that. I have a big problem with that. But I know that's what he does. He did it last season. You know, he gets in those situations. He looks at the analytics. I just think from an emotional perspective, you just destroy your team. That's why Notre Dame scored two plays later uh, after that call. But I think to me, when it, if you're just looking at the game in different position groups for Florida State, the thing that stuck out to me by far is the 180 that defensive line did. I don't know if you know, they had the defensive ends had more sacks against Notre Dame than they had all of last season for one. And I looked it up while you were talking about that. I want to go last season because we all remember that Notre Dame game last season. So uh, Notre Dame ran for 353 yards on the ground, 8.4 yards per carry. Tonight, or I guess last night, Notre Dame ran for 65 yards total, 1.9 yards per carry. I mean, it's just it's not even the same team. And I know it's not all the transfers you got and obviously a lot of different players up there. But to have that kind of a turnaround in one year, 
it's unbelievable. Now we'll say maybe Notre Dame just sucks on offense running the football. We'll see, but it doesn't, usually they don't suck. Usually they've got a pretty good offensive line. We know they got a really good running back. That says a ton for what that, how far that front seven has come. Yeah, it was an impressive effort. There's no question. Um, you know, I think Jermaine Johnson obviously lived up to the billing. I think Keir Thomas played well. Uh, I mean, really the whole defensive front, and the linebackers didn't play bad. I mean, that was the thing. You didn't have – Notre Dame had to work for every yard they got, especially in the running game, as opposed to, you know, last year where there was just gaping holes that any of us could have run through. Um, so, I, you know, I, I, you know, you give the defensive front a lot of credit. The the pass defense, it, it wasn't like there was blown coverage, but they just yeah. didn't make a play on the ball. Uh, you know, Travis Jay is in position for a couple of those plays. Uh, one of them, the receiver just makes a great play, but – you need the, the DBs allowed to make that play also, and uh, just didn't. And uh, you know Notre Dame's receivers are good. Jack Cohn was a better passer than I expected. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Florida State, you know, you, you got to give them a lot of credit for the run defense, and that to me is what has to give you the most enthusiasm about this team moving forward. Now you feel like you go into games, and this could be a legitimate defense. And if it is, now now you, it gives you some time to figure things out on offense. So of course, the million dollar question. We're going to get it now all week long. Who's going to start at quarterback? I mean, because, of course, McKenzie goes in there. ESPN, I don't know if you got to hear, just absolutely blew him up, of course, because they're, they're, they called it a Disney movie. Um, went to his mother. And, again, it, it, I do say, go back and watch it. Just you, your heart bleeds for that mother. She's just dying in the stands watching this. Um, it was a great moment for that. But, again, he did well enough that people are now like, why isn't he the starter? So we're going to get that all week long. Maybe we're going to get this all season long. I don't know. Well, I thought the coolest thing about you know the whole thing for McKenzie was in the post game interview. He all he wanted to talk about was the team. You know, he, mm. it, it could have easily become the McKenzie Melton show um, from him, especially during his press conference because he got a million questions about him, and he just kind of kept wanting to turn it back to the team. He said he feels like this is just the beginning for this team. He he talked about you know how they gave him a chance. He said a lot of people wrote him off, and he really appreciates Florida State, Mike Norvell, for giving him this chance. He talked up Jordan Travis. He talked up all of his teammates. Um, so I thought that was cool and I think a good sign for them. What do they do from here? I don't know. I mean, I know fans are going to sit there and look at Mackenzie Nelton. I think he was mm-hmm. five of seven uh, passing, whereas Jordan Travis was like nine of 19 and had the three picks. So people are going to say, well, what was Mike Norvell doing? I can just tell you that we've been out of their practices and, and it Mike, Mackenzie Milton has not looked like the better quarterback for most yeah. of the preseason or in the spring. So I get why they did what they did. But, man, you can't ignore what McKenzie did when he was on the field tonight. Ira, any other thoughts from uh, the post game? You, you mentioned, obviously, McKenzie and, and what he said and how he was you know, deflecting to his teammates throughout. Anything that struck you from Coach Norvell or any other players that were available tonight that uh, is worth repeating? You know, I think the, the, the confidence that we – you know, we, we wondered going into the game, a few of the players were very confident about especially defensively, about how they were going to play. Robert Cooper – Jermaine Johnson specifically. Um, and, and I wondered, you know, sometimes we've had false confidence. You know, guys have talked a big game, but then they haven't really backed it up. I thought you got the sense that, you know, I think this is going to give them some confidence, especially that defensive front, what they did to Notre Dame's rushing game. I think they had confidence coming in, but to see it validated is big. Mm-hmm. The other thing was you really got the sense that they, they all appreciate this opportunity, especially those transfers. I mean, Jermaine Johnson has played at Georgia. He said he's played at a lot of great stadiums. He said he's never played in front of anything quite like that. you got to give the, the crowd a lot of credit. I think Jordan Travis or McKenzie Milton, one of them gave them credit, and it's 100%. Uh, 
they didn't leave when it was 38 to 20. When it got to 38 20, I thought the students might hit it, hit the road. <laughs> Maybe they got lucky because it was Sunday night. And there wasn't a lot of places to go, but, but the crowd stayed and, and that meant a lot to those players. And it was a really neat night. And the, the, uh, Amazing grace for Coach Bowden with the fan, fans holding up the phones with the flashlights. I mean, it was a really cool night, everything except the loss. But I think it was neat to hear some of the, especially the transfers, just talk about how much they enjoyed this mm. and how much they appreciated this opportunity. And again, you know, that could be a sign of good things to come in terms of how this team has kind of come together. Well, you said that uh, the students on a Sunday night, they don't have much to do. Well, they do starting next Sunday. Because there's a show featuring you, Ira, and Jeff Cameron. It's uh, it's going to be called The Smash. It's with, with you and Jeff. It's going to be 7 p.m. So it's early for the kids. It's like pregame territory for them. But uh, 7 p.m., it's going to be The Smash with Jeff Cameron, Ira Chaffel, both of Warchant.com. The all-star staff, you're, you're going to see all kinds of shows and elements with all of us intermingling. And uh, obviously the first edition of this particular show will be tomorrow at 7 p.m. because we're playing football on a Sunday night into a Monday. So the first edition will be tomorrow at seven. Uh, what do you expect? Uh, your first question for Jeff, or your first <laughs> question you're going to get is going to be as you two start an endeavor, just the two of you, no Corey in the building. So what are you guys going to talk about? I think there's a lot to talk about with this football <laughs> team. I mean, that, that's the cool thing about this, man. Two years ago when Florida state played Notre Dame, I was tweeting pictures of my family vacation because there was nothing to tweet about. From the game. It was, it was a laugher. Last year, they got, you know, handled pretty easily again. This is a team now that there's t- there's so much to talk about between, uh, you know, position battles that are, that are now going to be open and, and guys that stepped up and played at a, at a high level. Other guys that may be disappointed, questions we have. We can argue these uh, some of these play-calling decisions that you guys want to talk about. And uh, I just – I'm really looking forward to it. it if, if this had been two years ago when we, when we launched this show, uh, it would not have been a lot of fun to talk about. But uh, – there's a lot to talk about this team, and I, and I could tell. I mean, I looked on here. You guys had like 2,000 people watching it live. Uh, people are definitely interested in Florida State football. Yep. Yeah, absolutely, and that's one of the reasons. Hit that subscribe button under uh, Tom Lang there because uh, you'll get shows like that. You'll get alerted when they come live, and, you know, Jeff and Tom show similar headlines, trench talk, all the cool offerings we have on Warchant TV. So hit that subscribe button and hit the bell. You'll get alerted. It's free. That's the best thing about it. We'd like you to subscribe to Warchant, but at least the YouTube channel, totally free. Yeah, I guess uh, two years ago, Ira, it would have been uh, Gordo smashes that you guys would be having uh, on Sunday nights just to get through it. Um, hey, uh, hey, Gordo's is a sponsor. That Come on, is. Eddie. The Gordo smash. There we go. The Eddie Empire built through one Gordo <laughs> smash at a time. Uh, Ira, you got the 3-2-1 coming up tomorrow. Corey's got a column coming up. Uh, that Those are the highlights for uh, what's coming on Warchant.com, the proper website over the next 24 hours. And, and maybe some positive PFF grades. We'll see. All there right. might be some good ones for a change. Well, we appreciate, Ira, all the coverage and obviously holding yep. it down over there for us. We'll let you go for now, and then we're going to hop back over to the caller's lines. But thanks, Ira. Appreciate you checking. Thank you, Ira. Thanks, guys. Take care. All right. And back to the phone lines. We're going to go in a second, Gene. But, yes, uh, you just mentioned it, folks. We're wall-to-wall all day, every day right here on Warchant TV. It costs you exactly nothing to like this video right underneath mm-hmm. us, right underneath Gene now. Hit the subscribe button, hit the bell, because every time you do that, you've heard my videos, I say it all the time, every time you take any one of those steps, Noel fans who haven't heard about Warchant, show them the light. Every time you take one of those steps, they find us, and they tell us. We get emails every week of people saying, I never knew you guys existed. Thank you for all the great coverage. Please help us reach those people, Noel Mm -hmm. fans around the country. And you can tell calls from all over the country, from the West Coast to the East Coast, 
We're going to go to the West Coast right now. It's the Warchant.com postgame show. We've let these callers sit on hold forever. Matt, we appreciate your patience. Matt, in San Diego. San Diego. All right. West Coast, represent. What's going on, Matt? How you guys doing, man? Hey, hey Matt. Man. Doing great. Hey, I love San Diego, man. Great city. Oh, it's beautiful out here, right? You know, uh, I just got a few uh, comments. I'll make it quick. And then a few uh, Q&As for you guys. Let me just say. Right off the bat, I've been listening downstairs for you guys ever since the game ended. And, uh, Ian, Lang, Williams, listening to Ira just now, Coach Novell talking during the conference. You guys do a freaking awesome job, man. Thank you. Man, I do your job for absolutely free. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I do your job anyways. You know, I believe darn it in gold. But anyways, uh, a couple quick comments. Uh, I'm retiring this year in the uh, United States Marine Corps after 17 years, 10 deployments. Like I said, bling darn it in gold. I've been to hundreds of games as a kid. I'm from the Jacksonville area originally. Uh, I've been to four Natty titles. I, I can name every player on every position for the last 30 years or so. Uh, just to put that in perspective, I've, me and my wife flew from Okinawa, Japan, to Pasadena in 2013. Oh, wow. <laughs> to go to the national championship game, yeah. What sucks for her is that that was her first game ever. Oh, <laughs> man. Yeah. <clears throat> You're spoiled. Yeah. So, uh, I – yeah, now that I'm retiring, you know, uh, I try to make it to, to a game stateside uh, every year or when I'm available. And pretty much I consider myself to be the you know, biggest FSU fan in the history of fans, all right? Like I said, I've been going – the first uh, game I went to was in 94, the Choke It Dope. That was a good one, too. Oh, man, I was at that one. Well, yeah. If you're not hooked uh, being yeah, a yeah. Noel after that game, I don't know what will make you hooked on being a Noel. So that's good, yeah. For some reason, this game, uh, even though it went the other way, kind of had that little atmosphere as far as the energy. Of the crowd. Let me just throw off the bat. The energy of the crowd the entire freaking night. Mm-hmm. For the first time since 2014, we had, uh, like your previous caller stated, or Ira, that the fans were there. It's, the students didn't leave. Even though we were down by 18. When we were down by 18 the past six, seven years, mm-hmm. You could just see freaking the crowd just dissipating and gone back to their freaking uh, barracks rooms and tailgate parties. It was just a different kind of feeling, which was awesome right off the bat. And uh, one thing, the other thing is uh, I met Bobby Bowden a few times. I went to Florida State on and off from uh, 97 to 2005. My brother got blown up in 2005, and that's when I dropped out. And mm. I used to manage the old BW3. BW3 is there on uh, West Tennessee Street. But uh, Bobby would... I don't know. I felt like I kept on telling my wife, Bobby's looking down. And like, you could, you just felt it. You just felt his presence, man. And uh, like I said, I met him a few times, had a few conversations, and uh, I'll get that out of the way. All right, now the questions real quick. Let me stop running my sucks. You guys can go ahead and talk. Uh, <laughs> wow, man, I've been writing this down. Uh, like you got I said, a list. So All right, proud. bring the list. All right, come on, come on. All right, I got it. I have never been so – I've never been proud of a loss before. Like I said, I've been to horrible, horrible games. Uh, I've seen the wide lefts, the right rights, you know. I was at the Oklahoma game in 01 in Miami, and I literally was, like, just so pissed off for, like, two months. It took me, like, <laughs> the next football season to get over it. But uh, this game, there's no moral victories in a loss. But this game, I think, it just had a different level, a different feel. The Garnet and Gold, I'm not saying we're back, but there's no give up in this team. So I was telling my wife at the end of the game, I mean, all I want to see, down by 18, all I want to see in this fourth quarter is not what we've done in the past. 
You know, those post-Jameis Winston teams, they didn't stop. We had All-Americans. But there was ego. It was individuality. It was all about myself. I felt like this team, not as talented, 14 different transfers uh, from how many different schools, I don't even know. But I don't know. The coaching, it just felt like I was on a different uh, level, like it's real. And uh, I think it's a really, really great step forward. I think the base is going to be re-energized. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, so questions real quick, brother. All right. QB's going 30-second warning, QB's Matt. 30-second warning. Mm-hmm. 30 questions in. Here you go. Coach Kelly. Coach Kelly said right after the game, mm-hmm. the QBs, the dual, the dual QBs threw them off. They didn't know who to prepare for mm-hmm. the whole nine yards. Going forward, Milton, he's still a stud, obviously. Travis, most inconsistent quarterback I've seen. Plays like a Heisman and then plays like a freaking – do you forget about James Blackman? Uh, he overthrew <laughs> one guy for a first down. The ball went 10 yards over his head. All right. So what do you think about going forward? I think we should utilize both QB, both QBs. Do the whole Danny Warfel fucking Spurrier. Uh, whoa, whoa. Hello. Beep. Yeah, sorry about that. Sorry about that. Uh, so that's my first question. Next question. Can we beat uh, Miami, Florida, and Clemson? Mm-hmm. If we can be one of those teams, do you guys think we can go nine and three ish? All right. And uh, yeah, uh, thank you guys for letting me Thanks, talk. Matt. I apologize for the language. Oh, you're all good. Oh, it's, it's, it's all right. It's, it's after one a.m. Who's going to notice in the East yeah, Coast? Exactly. At least I know you're on the West Coast. East Coast. It's so late. The kids are hopefully in bed. Didn't hear that. But first of all, thank you so much for your service. Yep. Uh, we can't thank you enough for that. Uh, it's just it's incredible what you do for all of us on our freedom. Um, Man, yeah, he brought. I mean, that's the thing we talked about before. It's so weird, and you know, I brought it up. You've been out there, Tom. I've been out there, and it's hard for the average fan who doesn't. I mean, the fans don't get to go. They're not open to the fans. They're open to us. It's very obvious that Jordan Travis has consistently been the better quarterback. He was in the spring, and he wasn't preseason. He didn't look as good in the game as he's done in practice. Mackenzie Milton, on the other hand, looked better in the game. So, is it a situation? Maybe one guy is better in practice the other guy's better in games and if that's it then the staff has to adjust to that but he also brought up you know maybe this is a dual quarterback thing can you do that well it depends on the team can the two personalities handle it you know can the team handle making those if you can adjust that and everybody's got the personalities to do it absolutely yeah it creates a headache for defensive coordinators to prepare for those two guys but there's a reason why most schools don't do that it's a tough dynamic to mix two guys in that have different skill sets and different personalities in there, and it meshes. It may, uh, if you can do it, great, but it may not either. So only the coaching staff's going to know if that works. Yeah, for what I'd say, first of all, is don't sweat it about the language there, man. You should see the text message change that I have during the games. You're, you're all good. <laughs> and thank you for your service as well. Uh, Gene hit all the, the proper notes as uh, a son of a, of a dad who was in the 101st. Um, yeah. Uh, you know what? There was a commenter who said, uh, that you referred to dorms as barracks too. Like you've been in the court too long. <laughs> I, I get that though. That's the way my dad talks too. Um, you know, Gene, when they sent both quarterbacks to Charlotte, I thought they were telegraphing to the ACC, yeah. to the college football world who even cared to pay attention to Florida State, that they're prepared to move forward with both guys. Both quarterbacks said it in Charlotte. You know, mm-hmm. they would, uh, McKenzie said, like the, the headlines came from the morning when Jordan said he'd love to be on the field at the same time as McKenzie. It'd be kind of a blessing. I think is what he called it. But Milton said later in the day in the breakouts in Charlotte that Jordan is too good not to play. I feel the same about myself. I'm too good not to play, but Jordan is too good not to play. 
I wonder if that's the base game plan moving forward. Clearly, if the helmet had not come off in the fourth quarter, McKenzie was not coming into the mm-hmm. game. You're going to get him involved in the game. You're going to get him involved way earlier than that. Yeah. But I wouldn't be surprised if that's the plan moving forward. The one thing that seems to be going on here, and I cannot underscore how important this is enough. After that drive, McKenzie leads a touchdown drive. It's Ward who goes in for the touchdown. And Trayshawn Ward had a nice night. Oh, that's game. another guy we got to talk about. Yeah, his name has not come up, but he has been. Iris talked about him. Jeff mm-hmm. and I talked about him in the pregame. He had a nice night, and uh, he's doing more. He's of for real. Yes, he is. But Mike pulls both quarterbacks aside. Gene, you saw because you were watching the TV mm-hmm. broadcast as well. He goes through a 15 to 30 second message that he's shouting into both their ears at the same time. There's not, I'm going to tell one quarterback one thing, yeah. I'm going to tell the other quarterback. No, there is clear communication. And then you saw the the, uh, the scene of Jordan Travis celebrating with McKenzie after that. That was great. Was over. I got goosebumps. These guys get along. Mm-hmm. Legitimately, they get along. It's important, but communication is so important. We haven't had it clear communication yeah. and this program for five years. So it's nice to see for once. I think these guys can handle it. Uh, you know, okay. I, they may, they may, it's odd, especially when you have a transfer coming in. Yep. It's both of, I should say both are transfers really. Yep. Um, and this is a relatively new coaches for them too. So, I mean, for all that to come together, but it meshes absolutely. If you can do that, cause it could be the hot hand. One guy could be hot. It could be matchups. It'd be a lot of different things you can do. If you have two quarterbacks that can do that, that would be really neat to be able to do that. It would be a nightmare for us in the media because we're going to constantly get asked who's going to start. Yeah. And as you know, Brian Kelly admitted, it's tough to prepare for both of these guys. So it means we're never going to get a straight answer all season, and the fans will continue to pester us who is going to start. But you, said, go ahead. Say you could pester us by going to wardchant.com and making sure that you hop on board for the season and coming to these, this channel all the time. There you go. Let's get let's get before we go to a call. We can go to Connor here. Connor, first of all, thank you for the yep. support. Yeah, and uh, there's no doubt that you're you're hitting on a couple of notes. Uh, we'll get to McLean in a second, but Gene, yeah, there is an edge to this group on defense. How many plays did they finish with uh, congratulations of each other swarming to the football? As you have a visitor in the door over there, yeah, <laughs> people, strange people are walking into the man cave late at night. I don't know. The man cave has that effect. People <laughs> want to be there. I wish I was there right now. <laughs> we're going back if you remember the old man cave this is like the unmentionables yep they're back one unmentionable they, they, at a time they've infiltrated the man cave and they're back they know the secret knocks so there you go <laughs> yeah you got, as gene gets the cameo uh, that's the one thing that you can hang your hat on is about this defense and how physical it is i think that's yeah. gonna be week to week if it was there tonight i expect to see that week to week it looks like they have leadership and passion which is nice for yeah them. that was so i mean it's something we haven't seen for a couple of years, they were in there fighting, and like a guy, a, a running back gets it. Always got a little bit of a seam. He's going to run for twenty yards. All of a sudden, it closes, and it's a two-yard game. Like, whoa! Yep. This reminds me of Florida State back five years ago. Yep. So that was very that that again to me that was the most encouraging aspect by far. We're going to talk about quarterback play, issues on the offensive line, some breakdowns and coverage, or guys getting beat and being outfought on some plays in the secondary. Mm-hmm. But man, you can do a lot of good things if you have a dominant front seven. You're going to win some games just by that, if, as long as you don't turn the ball over and do some of the other things for yep. us they did in this game. So very, very encouraging. Good good point there, Connor. Yeah. Thanks for bringing that up. One more thing, Connor, before we go to our next caller, is you're, you make a point about McLean as well, and and I agree. I think he is going to be a stud because you already mm-hmm. see the details, as in downfield blocking, commitment to swarming and, and making an extra play, looking for somebody to pick up and block. 
that is not typical of a freshman receiver. He seems to be willing to go to the dirty areas, catch uh, passes in traffic, make the tough plays. But then he's also, you saw the one quick hitch. I mean, it was a, a it was like a five yard in that Jordan hits him and he's off to the races. I mean, it, there's there's a lot to like about what Malik McClain is going to bring to the table. Frankly, there's a lot to like about the future. Now, as for the callers, yeah. we go from San Diego to, well, San Diego again. Bob oh. San Diego joins the program. What's up, West Coaster? What's going on, Bob? Yeah. Oh, oh, everything's great, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Absolutely. Hey, Bob. What say you yeah. tonight, Bob? Hey, you know what? Well, I'm in San Diego, too, and I, I need to hook up with that guy, Matt, because uh, <laughs> I'm a big Seminole fan. Pretty yeah. local. So, hey, you know what? I, I just had a... You know, I just had a question for you guys and a couple observations. Um, did you see the interview uh, with uh, the coach after the game, uh, uh, the Notre Dame coach? Yeah, I was. Uh, we were prepping for the show, but I had it on, and, and Kelly was answering it. Actually, uh, we just talked about how the two-quarterback system was something he remarked on, how it's a nightmare to prepare for. What did you hear? What stuck out to you, Bob? It, you know what stuck out to me was because what what a what an idiot he was for just not acknowledging what a great game it was and and bagging on his players and he said mm. we had problems with execution oh, yeah. and then he said this he said my players need to be executed is what he said <laughs> did you hear that yes I did wow that that's a play Bob real quick so that's a play on the John McKay Tampa Bay Buccaneersism from the 1970s. When somebody asked him, a member of the press said, uh, how do you feel about the execution of your team? And Coach McKay said, I'm for it. And it was considered to be, at the time, one of the most colorful things that coaches said. Unfortunately, Brian Kelly isn't that cool that he can't stick the landing on that uh, on that particular comment. But I think that's where – yeah, there it goes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It um, was it was embarrassing. I'd be embarrassed even as a Notre Dame fan because he should have been a joyful, like, oh, my God, I just witnessed a great game, whatever. But it's odd. But, you know, the question is, and one more observation is, sure. hey, that one pick that Hamilton got when he was running across the sideline, you know what? Travis kind of underthrew that guy. He did. So he was wide open, and, and, and Norvell schemed that perfectly, and it would have been a touchdown. It would have been another touchdown, just like the one before. It, because had he just led the guy a little more, that would have been another 70-yard touchdown. Yeah, I agree, Bob. The one thing I'd say, and Gene and I talked about this last hour on this show, was um, in that situation, it's hard to anticipate a backside safety covering whatever that was, 35 yards. What Jordan did was he manipulated the play to extend time. He saw the safety on his half of the field where he wanted to go mm -hmm. with the football, come up towards the line of scrimmage. So he thinks he's free and clear. At that moment, the last thing you want to do, it's like that screen pass in the first three and out. You don't want to airmail a guy and not give him a chance to make a play. I'm not saying it wasn't underthrown. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is there you want to make sure that you complete the pass because it is a wide-open proposition. And Kyle Hamilton is rightly drawing all kinds of love from not just the broadcast. Greg McElroy was effusive. But all the scouts on Twitter, I saw it. That, that play was all over Twitter tonight. It went viral. Mm -hmm. Uh, Gene, you saw it. I mean, that, yeah. that, that kid's a freak. He is the real deal. You know, as I said, sometimes you just have to tip your cap. I know when you follow one team, it's all it's binary. It's it's only that team what they do. But sometimes, man, Notre Dame has a great tight end, probably the best in the country. That that safety was unbelievable. He's going to be a top NFL draft pick. I mean, they've got some really good players on that team, which is all the more you have to give credit to Florida State for fighting back against this team. They made some big plays. Cohen is better than I thought he was. He threw dimes all over the field. 
and you still hung out with them and had a chance to win the game. So I think that, again, it goes back to this team. And there's a lot you can clean up. The nice thing is you go in this game, go, boy, get rid of those turnovers, a little bit better play calling on some issues. You guys pointed some stuff out. Man, this could be a pretty good team. Yeah, oh, there's no doubt. We'll go uh, back to the East Coast. Andrew in Lakeland, Florida, representing for uh, the East Coasters who are up late with us on the Warchant.com postgame show. Andrew, what's going on, sir? What do you have to say tonight? What's your question? Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. First time caller. Um, just a, two quick questions. Um, one about Coach Fuller. I mean, obviously the defense, the run defense was significantly better in this yeah. game than it has been in the past. But the big, but the big pass plays. I mean, that that's something that mm-hmm. we for many, many years still bug us, and it's still kind of kind of the pace. Do you think that's more Fuller? Do you think that's more the players? Your thoughts there? And then just also, um, generally speaking, about you guys brought up the the lack of depth at wide receiver. Do you think that's something that is still going to plague us going on in the future? Do you think that you know as we maybe play some less steep competition defensively, maybe? you know, in the ACC, maybe the, the, our players will be better. Just tell me your overall thoughts on that, too. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, absolutely on receivers. I mean, it just like I said, I think that's the weakest unit on the team. I don't, it's not going to get better this year. Um, you know, maybe the guys get a little bit better connection. But, man, if you can't get separation, you can't get separation. I mean, it's going to be hard. Now you played a good team. You know, they'll say the ball, and Ira pointed it out, you know, a couple of those are 50-50 balls. And at least this year, unlike last year, how many times did guys run wide open last year? Yeah. It was embarrassing. For the most part, guys were in position to make plays. You got, but you got to win some of those 50-50 balls. You know, Travis J is capable. He's a big physical kid. He's athletic. He should be able to win some of those. Now he's going against really good players. Yep. You know, and that's the thing too. And you made a point. Maybe the ACC it won't be the same. But I do think this will be rectified. It'll be very interesting. We all talk about Travis Hunter v. Six with his commitment. He is a dynamic difference maker that can go in right away and have a major impact. And everybody asks you, will he play offense? Will he play defense? I think there's such a need at offense. If he's really willing to play wherever the team wants to put him, I think they've got enough depth and you see some things. I think they'll be pretty good at defensive back. You put him in this lineup, maybe get another transfer in next year. He can play. You could be pretty good, really good offensively by this time next year, but I don't think the receiver room is going to change overnight this season. I, you know, in a weird way, I feel okay about the receivers for this particular season because the way Notre Dame covered, Gene, they were so prepared. I mean, I was yeah. really impressed with what Mark. So you think it was Notre Dame? It wasn't Florida State. Yeah, I mean, I, obviously, you'd want more dynamic players here if you could get them. Uh, you could have better receivers. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. But I, I was really impressed with what I saw at Notre Dame. You know, one of the shots that Jordan took and and hit on was the Jakai uh, Douglas mm-hmm. touchdown. That was beautiful manipulation. McElroy oh, he he, well. he eyed the safety off. It was fantastic. Yeah, he looks the safety off, and then it's just a blow by by Jakai Douglas on kind of an out and up route. It's a beautiful play. Uh, but other than that, Notre Dame really didn't get caught too often. You know, in poor coverages or with a lack of of leverage. And that's one thing to to the first question that was brought up by Andrew. There were a couple of times early in this game, Gene, where I'm texting with Jeff. He was in the stands with his father today. And I'm like, man, we're getting our plays in late. There's a problem here. Brendan Gant got in a play in, uh, late. The community yeah. snap was not good. Uh, Travis Jay on the fourth down touchdown, the opening touchdown of the game. There's a two-for-one situation. You don't want to be in a two-for-one situation on a fourth and a couple of yards. Travis stays in the line of scrimmage. The tight end releases right by him. It's a bust in coverage. Uh, you can't have those things. It looks like they cleaned it up as the game went mm-hmm. along. 
But this is one concern I had, and this is why I'm so happy we get to go to practice, Gene. I saw it at the linebacker level a little bit and the safety level. The communication factor, a lot of these guys are either in a new position or they haven't played a whole lot at the collegiate mm -hmm. football level. Having Emmett Rice would be huge in terms of alignments and getting all of your calls in and your checks in. They were getting the calls in late. I don't know if that's on the sideline yeah. or if it's a lack of uh, taking the onus and being willing to, to you know, communicate and, and take charge. We'll see as it bears out. They cleaned it up as the game went along. But as Ira said, this is a complex game with about 50 million storylines. That's one of them that came up early was we yeah. got to get the calls in quicker because there were two plays down the field that were wide open shots that were complete and another one that their tight end dropped. And they were all because of a lack of getting the signals in yeah. and patients in. So they got to clean up. You're right. When I was in the when I was there for the first half watching, you're right. Constantly, every time they're Notre Dame snapping the ball and linebackers are still pointing, going here, yep. going there, moving, moving people around. Yeah, you can't have that. And I think you're absolutely right. You got to hope. Again, I talked about what's positive is the fact there's so many things like that you can clean up. In a, a first game, you kind of understand that there's so much new personnel out there. You're playing a good team. There's going to be some of that. So you think that'd be cleaned up? And I'll be curious enough. Tom, did you go? Maybe if you go back and look in the fourth quarter, Notre Dame did not score against Florida State in the fourth quarter. Right. I didn't. Now, TV, I didn't have the same angle. But did you see that that was cleaned up by the fourth quarter? If that's a case, that's a very encouraging sign if they were able to clean that up in game and yeah. they weren't having these communication issues late in the game. Yeah, that was part of it. I think also the defensive line came back to life. Uh, I don't know if it was a, a, the surge of adrenaline or the fact that Florida State did. In, like Mike was trying to get a long drive on that wildcat, wildcat fourth down stop sequence. He was trying to get a long mm -hmm. drive to get a defensive breather. As it turned out, Notre Dame gets the ball, they score, we get the ball right back. That was the drive that gave the defensive line the rest. It's amazing how yeah. much better you look in the secondary when your D line is really <laughs> the interior. Really, Tom? Yeah, I know. It's just what bring the fun. knowledge. Bring the knowledge. The, the one thing I'll say before we go to our next caller, Tony in Tallahassee, is Akeem Dent made some errors in the beginning of the game. Akeem Dent made some plays as the game wore on. He is he is somebody that I circled mm -hmm. and was critical of before the season started. I'm worried about him. And because he wasn't great at safety when he was here at, under Willie as, as a freshman. But you know what? I think he embodies what we saw out of this group tonight, which is even if you make a mistake, do you have the intestinal fortitude, so to speak, to bounce back? He did. And this yeah. did. And that's the positive that we can mm -hmm. take from tonight. Up next is Tony in Tallahassee. Tony just heard the bell. He's on with us on the Warchant.com postgame show. Tony, how's it going? It's going great, uh, Tom and Gene. How are you guys doing? I'm busy, tired, I'm sure. Um, I just want to tell you all thanks for everything you guys do with this and uh, really like the whole staff and everything you guys are offering on that, so keep up that good work. Um, question I've got for you on the quarterback issue. I'm not really in the camp saying, you know, McKenzie should have started over or not because practice things show, but maybe I'm overanalyzing. <clears throat> but one thing I noticed with Jordan tonight was he had a lot of happy feet back there, and the one thing – I've noticed about McKenzie, just not with us, but at UCF, is he anticipates his throws. He anticipates where his receivers are going to be. And those guys looked open in the fourth quarter on those throws because I, I believe the anticipation. Is Jordan going to be able to work that out and understand and trust the fact these guys are going to be there, make that throw, or is he too nervous in the pocket, or am I just kind of off base with that observation? No, Tony, I think you hit the mark. Uh, I think you're right on. You're absolutely right. That was fourth quarter. It did look like McKenzie was anticipating his throws better than Jordan. And I wonder how much of that with Jordan in the beginning of the game. I mean, they were just being dominated up front. 
And I wonder if he just at that point, like you mentioned earlier, Thomas, he's seeing ghosts because it looked like it at times, especially when there's a little bit of pressure. He seemed to have some issues with that. So again, we don't, we don't know if McKenzie is just a gamer, but you're right. Absolutely right. He has proved to be a better passer in those situations. Um, I don't know what your take is on that, Tom, but again, you know, we see it in practice, but you're right. He didn't, he definitely was not on at all in this game. I think a couple things are going on. I'm not trying to take anything away from McKenzie, but Gene, you pointed it out earlier in the show tonight, which is uh, the Notre Dame defense is worn down by the time McKenzie comes into the game. That Mm -hmm. was, that was the one thing that changed. So we were on the ropes. Mike was trying to steal uh, some extra, you know, uh, down a distance, some extra time of possession in order to give his defense a rest because we were tired standing eight count. We end up going on a long drive to make it 38-28, get the two-point conversion, right? About 10 minutes later in the football game, Notre Dame's running out of gas on defense. Yeah. They're the ones, and that's when McKenzie comes in the game. Now, there is no doubt whatsoever that McKenzie has a better internal clock than Jordan does, period. Yeah. He has a better internal – that timing, the, the feeling of the pressure, being able to feel the pressure, even if it's right in your eye line, to be able to absorb it, wait, Make the throw when the throw is going to be open. McKenzie's got that in spades over Jordan Travis. That is indisputable. But the one thing I'd say, Tony, is that Jordan Travis has already come leaps and bounds from where he was this time last year to where he is now. Does it mean that he'll be refined in the areas that you're talking about this season? I don't know. That's probably a little bit too much to ask or to expect. But if he was able to come as far as he has from last fall to this fall camp, I wouldn't count him out. He's, he's already yeah. a much, much better player than he was. Yeah. Uh, last few callers here on the warchant.com post-game show. We're going to go to Winter Haven and welcome Jordan to the program. Jordan just heard the bell. He's been waiting for well over a half an hour. Jordan, thank you for your patience. What's going on, man? Thank you guys so much. Oh, man, it's going great. You know what? I'm I'm happy to be a Knoll. I'm so proud of the team that we have. Uh, after the past few years, it has just been such a nice evening. I mean, I, I know not coming out with the W is is kind of a, a disappointment, but I'm just glad to see that we're making progress. Um, there is a couple things I just wanted to say, and then I wanted to ask you guys a question, but I did was disappointed with the clock management. You know, here we are, we're getting ready to go in the second half, and Mike Norvell, and, and we have all three of our, our timeouts. I didn't see a real rush uh, to get you know, the plays going, I'd like to see a little bit faster offense. Mm-hmm. Um, and as far as that, I mean, I, I just thought that the clock management could have been a little bit better. Um, like you guys said, they were trying to settle things down and, and it just took a little bit of time to get that together. Um, and then the, the question I have is <clears throat> after watching Clemson and, and Miami, I really feel like Clemson is just lost. And I feel like we might actually have an advantage because we have two quarterbacks that actually are, you know, kind of veterans. Whereas, you know, both at, at Miami and at Clemson, you have kind of some newer, newer guys, you know, uh, in the quarterback position. Uh, do you guys think that we have a shot after seeing the performance tonight? Do you guys think that we actually have a shot at, at walking away with a win on those two big ACC games? Well, thank you, Jordan. Uh, I don't think Florida State's quite – I assume Clemson. Georgia's really freaking good. That might be the best defense in the country. Um, 
that's a whole different level. I do think Clemson has taken a little bit of a step back. And look, they they fell into two generational quarterbacks effectively back to back. That just doesn't happen. Um, so I think they've, you know, I think their quarterback now is good, but he's just he's not Deshaun Watson. He's not Trevor Lawrence. They lost Travis Etienne. They they lost a lot of talent. So they're it, relatively speaking, they're real. But I still think they have so much more talent in the trenches in Florida State. It's gonna be hard to create. Now Miami's a different matter to me. I do. I feel I'm feeling better and better about that game. I think Florida State, it can be very competitive in that game. Uh, obviously, they're pretty much the king or bust. Uh, I don't think there's much more talent around him than that. So I think Florida State, that's to me at this point, again, it, it, so much can happen between now and then. It's, it's a coin flip at this point to me. Uh, Clemson still, that, that's, a ta- that's a big ask. I think Clemson is still better than Notre Dame at this point and you have to go up there to play that game. So I'm not quite there yet, but I'm very encouraged by what I've seen. And what I and I'm encouraged by what I saw to Miami. I don't. I know they played Alabama, but I just think I don't think they're that great. I think they're just an okay team. So on the first point, Jordan, what I'll say for clock management, um, it's amazing how many coaches get stuff wrong with clock management. I really mm-hmm. believe that there should be uh, a union for clock management specialists in which they could be paid eighty to two hundred thousand dollars a year just to worry about the final two minutes of a half. I'm a sucker for this. I've never met somebody that's on the level who, uh, who's interested in this like I am until I met Corey Clark and we talked about it over over one game. He loves going over situations, timeouts, when to clock the ball, when to use your timeouts. In that situation at the end of the first half, I won't get too far into the weeds, Notre Dame's out of timeouts. You're at 44 seconds, I think it was. So in that moment, you can run whatever the hell you want to run on first and second down. Because on third down, if none of it worked, you kneel and you go to the locker room. Notre Dame can't do anything about it. So you get the first down in the first play. It was like second and one slash first down. I heard the PA announcer, uh, Woody, say it was a first down. You're right. We wasted about 10 seconds there. There was about 10 seconds. And the next play gets completely blown up. Use your timeout. I totally agree mm-hmm. with you. Uh, but we can have a conversation about clock management and like 85 different coaches who have botched something and they don't do things the right way. As for the other point, Miami's in play. North Carolina's in play. Uh, We'll see about Florida. I'm not so certain that they're not in play. Because when you have a defense that can stop at least one facet of what the offense brings Mm -hmm. to the table, it looks like we can stop the run a little bit. Maybe Notre Dame's offensive line is terrible, and we don't know as much yet. But judging by what we saw tonight, this defense gives me hope that they can make stops against good programs. And if you can make stops against good programs, you're within seven to 10 points in a lot more games than you were a year ago. That's why I think those games are within reach. I mean, Gene, aren't you fired up about the prospects of this defensive line yeah. going against the Miami team that doesn't have as many weapons as Notre Dame? Yeah. That's where I get excited. Yeah, they don't have Myers. They don't have a lot of these guys. Yep. And not only is stopping the run, Tom, but you know what happens with the pass rush? Yes. You get quarterbacks who aren't elite, who can't throw dimes all over the fields. They make mistakes. Yep. There are turnovers to be had. So it's amazing when you get in quarterbacks' faces and start knocking them down and getting hands up there. Mm-hmm. It's, good things happen for the defense. So it's not only the run defense, it's the pass rush. So it is encouraging. Now, the defensive backfield has to pick it up. They got to start making some plays back there because you're going to, quarterbacks are going to make good passes. That's what they're trying to do. And sometimes you need to make a play too. And that's, I'm glad they were in position. They look better, much better than they did last season. Yep. But you got to make some plays, guys. You got to get your hand on the ball. You got to knock it free. And sometimes you can even get the ball yourself. Yep. So to me, that, that, two, that turnover margin, that was the difference in this game. And that's on them. The defensive line did its job. The secondary needs to do its job now. 
So we're going to get to the last couple of calls. Rick in St. Augustine has been waiting for 40 minutes. We've got Ooh, a Rick for waiting for that long. Rick, I was just in your town for the first time a couple of months ago. Love it out there. How are you doing tonight in St. Augustine? I'm great. Uh, we're at, so I'm from St. Augustine. I'm actually in Tallahassee now. We're outside oh. the stadium. Me and my brother are out here having a little cigar after the game, waiting for traffic to clear out. Mm-hmm. Smart and, man. Uh, mm-hmm. we, to, we just need to take Jeff Cameron's advice and keep it between the lines tonight. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, just, just a couple observations from the game. It seemed to me like Norville made a decision to let the guy from Wisconsin try to pass on us. Um, he passed on us for yeah. a 377. Yep. So, and it seemed like Notre Dame made the decision to make Jordan Travis n- not let him run. So, and he didn't get to run. But we ran it down their throats. They didn't run it down our throats. We ended up in overtime, a high-scoring game. We came back from an 18-point deficit. I'm I'm proud of the team. I really think they fought hard, and I'm I, I think the recruits saw what they needed to see. I saw what I needed to see, and uh, I'm pretty pumped about what we did tonight. What yeah. do you guys think? Yeah, you should be, Rick. I'll, mm-hmm. Let me ask you one question before we let you go. The Coach Bowden tributes from what you saw. Just uh, comment on that and what it, what it felt like to be in Doak Campbell tonight for those that weren't there. Oh, uh, halftime tribute with all the flashlights out. It was it gave me chills. Um, it was incredible. I got some of it on video for my phone. I'll I'll watch that thing 15 times on the ride home tomorrow. Um, but it was it was incredible. What a night. I mean, I, I'm glad to hear that people watching at home got to see how electric it was in there. I've got no voice left. I was just screaming the whole game. <laughs> um, what what a it's the best game we've ever been to. And I looked at my brother. We were 38, 38 there at the end of the fourth quarter, and I said. Well, we were down 30, 38, 35. And I said, whether he makes this pick yeah. or not, this is the best game we've ever been to. And I think everybody saw what they needed to see. And all the Miami fans, the Gator fans, if we missed this kick, we ended up missing one in overtime. The Gator fans, Clemson fans, they're all going to laugh and say, oh, we missed another one. But I think deep down they know Florida State's coming back. And uh, I'm very excited about it. That's a great call, Rick. Yeah, uh, thank you, Rick. I think he embodies how a lot of Noel fans feel tonight, Gene. Which and is- they should. And I, I see some of the people making comments are critical. Man, you, you could have got the win. It just would have been so great to be the top 10 team with that environment. Doe Campbell on national TV. It would have just been remarkable. But, man, at the end of the day, you accomplished what you needed to. I mean, this nobody thought this team was going to make a run at the playoffs. I get it. We can all dream and fantasize that the team was going to go. You know, eleven and one, and make the playoffs, but it, it wasn't going to happen. And this is, but it's such such progress for this program for Mike Norvell, what he's trying to accomplish. Now, not only the recruits, we all talk about the recruits, and that's great. And I think they saw what they needed to see to buy in, but the players too. So, them being able to come back against eighteen down late in a game against a top ten team like that. So, there's going to be every single game. There's going to be things that go wrong. They now know. Hey, we're together. We can come back in this thing. We've proved it. We can do this. So I think it's going to go a long way this season and beyond. It should. And uh, we're going to take our final call right now. Uh, for those of you that are that have been holding, I know Terry, our screener, said you might not necessarily get on uh, to BJ yeah. and Pete in California. I'm sorry, we're not going to get to you tonight. Yeah. But uh, perhaps next week, this post game show happens after all seminal games. The yes. pre game show is for home games. The post game show is for always. Gene and I will always assemble. For the post game show, well, except for the one day you're you're slacking on us one time, but we'll get that <laughs> later. We're gonna have to we're gonna get your uh, your uh, your Robin because I know you're the Batman. We'll, we'll bring Jeff Cameron in for that one. Oh, oh boy, yeah, let him know that. <laughs> uh, maybe maybe Gene, I'll, I'll patch in and call you guys from the Ryder Cup because that's all he is in Kohler, Wisconsin. Yeah, it'll be good fun. But we stay in Tallahassee. We're not going to Wisconsin just yet. We're gonna stay in Tallahassee, Dave. 
you are the final caller of tonight's Warchant.com postgame show. Welcome to the program. Hey, guys. Yeah, so huge fan of the Jeff Cameron show. I'm here laughing about it because I love the way that game went. Is uh, This is specifically for you, Tom. Is Jeff about to tell us this week that that Wake Forest game is still scary? Because <laughs> I'm just, just thinking, sitting back on Snuggy Hill and a onesie with a beer. Can't get much better than that. I think we're uh, rolling on some of these uh, squishy ACC teams. So. All right. I'm Man, you got to fear Snuggy, baby. I don't know. That's a 3.30 kick. They can't change that. It's it's a uh, it's a 3.30 kick at Snuggy Hill in week three. Uh, I don't disagree, Dave. I, I feel better about that game now, but it's still a monumental one. That is going to help determine the way this season goes because if you stumble or look poor mm-hmm. in that one and lose a close game, something along those lines, all the feel-good emotions from tonight against Notre Dame, they get mitigated. They get watered yeah. a little bit. You have to take this momentum and move forward with it. But I'll listen. I got to be honest. I kind of want to get on a road trip and go up there to that game. I mean, it, that's going to be a big one because if they perform like they did tonight, Gene, they've got a really good chance of winning that football game. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, I picked them to win that game beforehand. Now I feel really good about it because again, we talked about it before. The fundamental thing you want to have is you're dominating up front on defense. Mm-hmm. Wake's gonna have a real hard time scoring points because Forest State, it's just it looks to me they're gonna be physically superior to them up front. That puts you in a really good position to win that game. Now it's like don't turn the ball over, just execute when you need to do the right things, don't commit a million penalties, and you should be in good shape for that game. Because at the end of the day, look, you played great, but it is an L. At the end of the day, you've got that L on the column. You need to build up some wins at the end of the season. It looks those games look better. Syracuse looks better. Wake Forest looks better. But you got to go out and accumulate so you want to get seven eight whatever the number is going to be at the end of the day you want to do that you want to get to a bowl you want to show on paper this program has made substantial progress we saw it on the field even though they didn't get the win but let's see it in the win column now yeah no doubt um i I will say too gene i feel better i decided to on friday night after going to the uh, the horizons gathering up in uh uh, bannerman that i'm going on the over five and a half vegas numbers still for florida state for the season was five and a half I, I trust my eyes. What my eyes saw yeah. was what we saw tonight from the defense. It was even better than I thought it was going to be. Good for you. The compete level. I feel a hell of a lot better about that over five and a half now than before a kickoff of this game. Even after a loss, this is a team that if it stays healthy in the right places, we should be in pretty good shape. Gene, I'm about to uh, hang up on this guy for the first time. We had, oh, it looks like scores of callers, dozens of callers tonight. We appreciate that. But uh, the angry man who says goodbye. Uh, let's see if he jumps on. Nope. He just, oh, he just went away tonight. Change. Uh, he usually says goodbye. Well, he probably got so many complaints because he was so angry and people didn't like that. He's ha- he's even happier tonight after seeing that game, Tom. Well, we kept him up late. You know, his wife's <laughs> That's probably what's going on. He just needed to jet. Uh, before we go, housekeeping, housekeeping, housekeeping. All mm-hmm. good things. Tomorrow, yeah, it's Labor Day. Hope you enjoy it. Stay up late tonight. Like uh, our pal from St. Augustine having a cigar in the parking lot. Have a great time. But we will be on the air tomorrow, 1 p.m. live, right here on Warchan TV with the Jeff Cameron Show. We will continue our tradition of a Labor Day Monday after the first weekend of college football. Uh, tomorrow night, I know it's tentative at the moment based upon DLT's schedule, but we're looking at a trench talk mm-hmm. tomorrow night at 6 o'clock. We just have to get confirmation from Florida State that DLT has the availability to come on. Yeah, for- it's a compressed week, folks, so... You know, things get put off. So we're, our goal is to have them on tomorrow. If we don't, we'll try to get them later in the week. If we have to skip a week, we skip a week. 
Devontae Love Taylor will be back. Trench Talk is still around. Trench Talk is still around. It's an excellent show. It's a half an hour, so get your questions in early. When it signs on, get your questions in, or else you, they might not be answered. And, of course, tomorrow night at 7 o'clock, it's the debut, the smash. We won't call it the Sunday smash just yet because uh, it's on a Monday, but it's uh, Jeff Cameron and Irish Chaffel. They begin, they go live at 7 p.m. And, of course, Warchant.com is going to keep you updated. Everything, all the coverage coming out of this game. Corey's column, if it's not up already, it's going to be up soon. The 3 one from Ira. And, of course, the latest practice and press conference updates from Mike Norvell and the staff. It's not just about tonight. we got to hear how everybody's doing. Are people on the mend? Are people banged up? We're going to find out ahead of next week's game. I believe it's an 8 p.m. kick, Gene, against Jacksonville State. So 8 p.m. We'll be- and it's on everybody's favorite, the ACC Network. Uh, you know, I thought it was on Comcast <laughs> for like 20 minutes, and then it was gone. So sad. But uh, we will be gathering here for the next Warchant.com postgame show. That means, oh, I don't know, around the crack of midnight, Next uh, again, next another late night. Maybe uh, hopefully this will not be an overtime. It better not be. Yeah, uh, it better not be. Oh, God, <laughs> the calls won't be nearly as positive if that's the case. Gene, any final thoughts before we say goodnight for the evening? No, it's been it's been a great weekend, man. A fun Labor Day weekend. College football's back. Packed capacity to see that. I mean, it, I was just getting chills just to see all the fans packed in there. Students standing up. It's a good time to have college football back and. Maybe Florida State is coming back, too, so that's a good thing. That is. Thank you to each and every one of you who supported us tonight on the program. We greatly appreciate your support here at Warchant.com. To all the commenters, all of our callers, to Ira Chaffel for stopping in, Mike Norvell for going for 18 minutes in the postgame. We love you all. We will see you soon right here on Warchant TV. Have yourselves a good night, everybody. Good night.